Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 132. We're in December, Bali. It's the end of the year, game of the year time. The bells are ringing, everyone. It's such a good time for games. It is. It's, it's the awesome. best time to be playing games. Uh, the Game Awards happened, uh, kind of funny did their showcase, lots of things got announced, uh, holy shit, Joker from Persona 5 is coming to Smash Brothers, my god, I am so excited, that sounds, like, right now, I feel very positive about the future of Smash Brothers DLC, because, you know when they said that, like, Nintendo were gonna be saying, we're gonna make the final choice here on the Smash DLC, Sakurai's not doing it anymore, Nintendo made the decision, and we we're all like, great, that means they're gonna promote, like, Luigi's Fire Mansion, Emblem they're gonna, person. another Fire Emblem character, yeah. it's gonna be boring as hell, boring guess Pokemon. what? Guess what? They fucking put a Persona 5 character, a game that's not even on the Nintendo system yet. This feels like another Sony betrayal, just like Snake, just like uh, Cloud. This is like the third stab into Sony, uh, and it's, it feels good. It's awesome. I'm, I'm very excited. But, uh, Bally, how are you feeling uh, at the moment after all the announcements of the I'm Game good. Awards and things like yeah, that? Yeah, the Game Awards were great. I think there's a lot of cynicism about them floating around, and yeah. that's always fair. There's always It can always be improved. It, at the same, while it's very long... It's also it also skirts over some awards very fast and right, which is and then it feels bad because there are some awards like sound design and, and things right. like that that don't get the props that they should. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of those uh, folk who you know just are never going to get the spotlight anyway still get shafted and they're like they're the kind True. of people who are working those stupid hours that everyone is is very and frustrated. And by. I can appreciate that speech after speech can get stale very quickly, and that it's very clear that Jeff has tried to make sure that that's all streamlined where there's yeah. only a few speeches and it's it's weird how the show's four hours long and still feels like they skip over some stuff you yeah. know <laughs> but, but there's but, just so many ads but i mean that's how the whole thing's funded right so, but that's how they know. pay for it you know that's how you make the money you got to have as many advertisements as possible so i think so. overall it's still really high level you can really see that winning these awards means a great deal to these people it's been around a long enough time now where it is a big deal like the game awards has become a really big thing and it is it's like i remember the criticism jeff canata i think back in the day he had a criticism that game awards they were always a bit casual and could never hit the the mainstream audience and the game awards does feel like a step up like it is more formal it is suits and ties it is yeah professional it looks really it's working out well and i i love the announcements that come from it i thought the winners are all legitimate winners we we're just talking about spider-man got a bit shafted but they, that always happens to someone so uh but yeah overall it's a great great showcase of video games and um i hope it'll keep going for the future yeah because it's, it's and, good right and keep getting better and i think actually one of my favorite moments of the night was when sean Layden, phil spencer and reggie yeah. walk out on stage together <laughs> and uh, announce the big nothing. three companies <laughs> yeah no, obviously but like they i i like I, it's one of those dream scenarios of like what if the big three like come together and do something and they didn't do anything but it is cool to see everyone put down their guns for yeah. the night and be like i like how uh, they're amicable all, and they're all like men white men of a certain age with like a certain build like they well all, reggie's not but obviously no, reggie's yeah. a bit totally right but they've all got a bit of a <laughs> Bit of a, a bit of a belly, and then they wear the casual T-shirt. I mean, I mean, Reggie's not a white man, is what. I'm no, that's to say. no, that's true, <laughs> that's true as well. But as in, like, they've all got like 
a bit of a belly and they wear the the casual tee with the jacket on top and they're all very tall as well actually phil spencer quite a bit shorter than the other two yeah. so i think that's why he was in the middle <laughs> it's just like yeah. to create that balance a little bit um but yeah it's it's neat to it see that and uh i uh, i enjoyed it so so good stuff there obviously the nintendo announcement that people were speculating about metroid prime didn't happen reggie was wearing a big ass ridley t-shirt teasing again like was constantly oh, wow. reggie with the metroid teases and yet nothing ever comes of them <laughs> but i think that they did steal the night uh, works quite well for persona because the phantom thieves but um but that announcement was definitely the biggest thing I think people were talking about afterwards, um, aside from the awards and, and what won Game of the Year and, and things like that. So Nintendo actually had a pretty good night. And, you know, they had another um, a couple of announcements where Mortal Kombat is coming to Switch, uh, as well as uh, Crash Team Racing is now going to be releasing on Switch and Xbox and PS4 at the same time. Uh, and then they also had Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which is a Switch exclusive. So some cool things for Nintendo happening and... Uh, uh, good good times so yeah it's 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 going to be interesting to roll into this new year and i wonder how long it'll be until we get a new direct um when they're going to drop the next reveal of the next smash character when joker is even going to come out i'd imagine like april or something uh, probably a little bit away at this point in time yeah. but do you think we'll get like yeah. three in the year of 2019 two in the year yeah i mean problem plant's going to be start of the year that like, we don't know they, about they said it's all going to be out by february of 2020 so wow. okay. they actually have to release quite a lot in a short period of time. Uh, so hopefully every few months we'll we'll see a new character, which will be very exciting. And just judging by what Reggie said, it's like, you know, you should take this as a pattern for what the DLC will be like, which is very Out of exciting. This world. Yeah, it's so much better than what we expected. Um, anyway, uh, we're here to talk about video games and Nintendo and all that stuff. Uh, Bali, do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. So for the first segment, we're just going to share our thoughts on Smash Brothers Ultimate with what we have been playing. And then an extended second segment, it's Game of the Year. It's top 10 games of the year that didn't actually come out this year. That's the, the theme for the second segment. And we've got a few of your lists that you've sent in for that segment as well absolutely uh so that's gonna be a big beefy one so despite the fact that i've been playing a ton of dead cells and valkyria chronicles 4 and i know that bal you finished astrobot we're just going to focus in here because smash brothers is the thing of the moment and we're going to talk about our experiences so far so i don't know how much i've played i feel like it's a good amount maybe like five six hours total um and and yeah dug in quite a bit to it how much do you think you've gone probably only about two three hours um including a bit of online with you and just the single player yeah um how are we feeling so far about smash brothers ballet um you just have to you have to cut it into different segments i think yeah if you're the word ultimate, I think, is a great description of the character roster, the yes. amount of music in the game, the number of stages. Right. While there aren't many new stages, it's a very impressive ultimate number of returning stages. But then when you look at the single player and the lack of, like we said before, trophies and what the spirits actually are and how they operate and stuff... I just can't describe I can't use the word ultimate to describe that experience and no. it's a bit lacking on that side so far um which is a real shame but I, single player and smash brothers have always been 
um, difficult. In yeah, they've right always been and... at odds with each other because ultimately Smash Brothers is a multiplayer game first and it will always be why I enjoy it the most. So the single player offerings are always kind of a side thing that I, I dabble in. But I think the thing that has gone for me and the spark that I, I had before is without trophies, there's not a lot of incentive for me to do a lot of yeah. these things there was such um, a core through the whole game because no matter what mode you would delve deep in you'd get a trophy for it and or you get some coins that you could spend coins, in the shop right and it's that i was prepared to give spirits the benefit of the doubt because i was saying this off mic before but trophies were great for two reasons one was hey that's a cool 3d model that we can spin around and look at and take pictures of but b uh, you get descriptive text that says hey this is what this game is what this uh thing which game it's from the history of it the system it came out on that kind of the year thing. it came out the year it awesome. came out yeah. like all just great nintendo history lore that i absolutely it made loved. smash brothers a museum uh, right which and is is what i always loved it for aside from the the fighting game nature of it is exactly. that it's a celebration of the history of nintendo and if um, the, if the nintendo were going to say right well we're going to go for spirits they are jpegs but alongside those you'll still get your you know like a catalog where it'll archive everything where it'll say this is the game it's from and this is the year it came out and here's a description at the moment all you get is the picture the jpeg and the series it's from no year no history no descriptive text um and that for me is a huge huge shame um personally yeah it it definitely makes me less willing to do a lot of the different modes but i guess we can kind of dig into some of it we, we started uh, on world of light which is the adventure mode and from what a lot of people have said it doesn't really have any cutscenes. it may have some like at the end i guess or maybe in the middle but it's just a big ass world map where you go around and you fight a bunch of different battles against these quote-unquote spirits and what i will say so far is that i have thought the way they have implemented the characteristics of the different spirits into the game has been pretty smart um there are a couple that i've come across which i've been like oh that is something that i wouldn't have thought of how well they could implement that idea of that character in a fight and yet it works perfectly well so the best example i found so far is rhine from xenoblade chronicles uh who obviously i'm just going to use him forever because he's you know he's the best um you fight against a ryu who has like the orange suit on so it's a similar look to ryan and and ryu is kind of same build as ryan like a big kind of buff dude um he has super armor but moves slower because like ryan is a tank it's a timed stamina battle so like xenoblade like there's health that you have to tick down um and then the he also loves to taunt which is because ryan just (laughs) says all this bullshit during battles all the xenoblade characters do obviously but it's really funny that they've taken all these characteristics and with the variety of things that you can do in smash brothers including items and making people big and small and changing costumes and just having little very variations on them like uh, you know in the past i used to play special smash with our friend ali t all the time we'd be like oh let's go curry metal bunny mode and just do all this madness through all of those modifiers they can actually do quite a wide variety of things so for example another one was rabid kong which was a white donkey kong with the bunny ears on and i was like that's perfect like it's just it's it's mm. rabid kong from mario versus um uh, rabbids uh or mario plus rabbids and uh and it was on the 
new super mario brothers 2 stage with the the coins so it was like a mushroom kingdom setting and i was like okay they have figured out a way to get this character who isn't actually in this game kind of in this game and acting in a way that is similar to how he would act in in his actual game which i have thought that the fact that there are so goddamn many of these like over a thousand spirits and and that each match that you fight is unique and that they have thought about it like that one for ryan is perfect someone had to think about like all the options to do for that match and that's one out of like a thousand uh which is very very impressive and I, i thought it's um it's it's been better than i have expected so far yeah it's cool and i am enjoying it uh that world of light i should say i just i am the things that people are saying about the length of this mode being like 20 to 40 hours and right more and i do worry that maybe after about i don't know 10 hours i'm not gonna be that into it anymore and it might wear thin a little bit and i just hope that it'll keep keep me engaged and be like oh this is really cool let's let's unlock this or there has been just enough cutscenes to keep me vaguely interested or i don't know but i i am scared that it'll run out of legs but we'll see yeah that'll burn out for sure because it really is just an overworld map with with nothing else aside from these places to go and like sometimes you'll unlock a character and i've come across so far there's one thing which is you go down into the caves and what you do is you take a bunch of your random spirits and just send them off and it's like a real-time you know fucking mobile waiting game they did this in xenoblade 2 i've seen it in metal gear solid 5 but it's like take a bunch of like it's in these games where you have a bunch of things that some of them you're using most of them you're not in xenoblade 2 it was all of your blades that were random ones uh, in metal gear it's all of your soldiers because you collect soldiers from the battlefield and send them to your base and in this it's spirit and you can basically send them off on an adventure on their own to go and collect random shit which is basically just like hey here's a really long timer for like six hours then just check back in on it and you'll get some free stuff so you collect what's that I know, called some, it's it's not a mode it's in in world of light you'll find oh. places like i think there's a gym there's a cave there's loads of these different places that you right, can find it's actually in world of light okay. yes and so within world of light you send some of your like low level spirits who you're not really using at the moment in there and they will you know accumulate stuff um and so far in terms of using the spirit it's definitely been one of those things where i just go into the menu and just press auto pick because i just want the thing that works best for that fight and not have to manage it the thing that frustrates me a little bit is that some of the primary spirits which is like the main one have uh areas where you can um like slot in secondary ones and when you go through the primary ones and auto pick sometimes those aren't filled in um it would be nice if for example like if i had one that was resistant to fire floors so i wouldn't take damage from fire floors that i could have that slot in automatically and and it hasn't really done that for me yet i have to like do it a bit more manually so I, i wish that was a bit more streamlined but it isn't really something that i get that excited about i the thing that i like is finding characters that i have an affinity for so on the spirit boards mode which is separate from world of light where you basically just fight a bunch of different spirits i'd be like oh that's a cool character that i know that i want to get and then afterwards i'm kind of like well i i have them now what do i do like there's not much else to enjoy about them other than the fact that like oh i'm collecting all the xenoblade characters or i'm collecting you know th- these people from shovel knight or something like that um because there's no joy in 
well there's not as much joy in going back through your spirit collection and being like oh i have all these spirits because like i was saying before there's no 3d model there's no description of the game they're from you can't really do much with them it's just a bit no feels really it's just such a strange decision for this game smash brothers ultimate 100 percent feels like quantity over quality which is what it is it's just like let's represent every aspect of nintendo possible but we can't make that many assets like it's impossible to just do that for all these characters so oh i don't know let's just find artwork from their existing games and just chuck it in there because that's the easiest way to represent what we have um and yeah it's 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 like i'm going through the collection i'm like what is it like this doesn't doesn't do anything for me um and that's uh, it's a shame but i do get a bit of joy from seeing a character in world of light and being like i wonder how they represent this character like i just came across sakura from fire emblem i think it's fates um and it's from uh, birthright and she is represented by like an isabel who's in like a similar costume and, and has things that like would be represented of fire emblem i'm like okay that's a cool way of fitting everything in and, and making it make sense but um but yeah not a huge fan how have you felt about classic mode so far um i've not actually tried classic mode yet have so, you not no, oh my goodness I've just okay been doing world of light but I, I i have read things and you've described sort of like the way that it'll it's kind of in, in, innovative in the way that it comes up with a theme around a specific character and how yes. to fight a number of characters in and around that theme which is cool right yeah it's it's very neat and i think that the thing that sets it apart is First of all, it's a lot faster than going through Wii U or 3DS Classic mode. It just trims a lot of the fat. It, it speeds through the battles much uh, better pace. And secondly, they have multiple different bosses that you fight at the end. Uh, if they are a boss that is from a particular series, then obviously you're going to fight that one at the end. Um, and so some of them, like we saw Dracula from the trailers, I just fought dracula with simon belmont and it feels really cool because the way you damage dracula is just like you do in the original game where if you try and hit him on his body it does nothing you have to hit him on his head and it felt like i was playing castlevania when i was fighting him because i was just using my whip to hit his head while i'm jumping and being airborne using the boomerang and, and the sub weapons it it was really cool and i like the setup for it some of them are not great because they can get frustrating so for zelda and link the boss is ganondorf from ocarina of time and with zelda you fight ganondorf and then he transforms into the big ass final boss of ocarina of time who in the original game the only way you can damage him is by hitting his tail the frustrating thing is that that's the only way you can damage him here as well which means that either you have to like jump over him to get to the other side which is difficult to do because you keep jumping around and you can't roll through his legs which i thought like hey that's how you beat him in the original game is fucking roll through his legs and like use the the weapon on his tail to take him down but it doesn't let you dodge roll underneath him so his fight in particular was a tough one and it just takes forever because his health bar is quite large and you can only damage him at that one particular point so that's that is cool that that 
is in there because you know like the same with dracula like yeah it's awesome and like the stage the stage itself is like the final battle of ocarina of time it's, it's on that same arena it's like fire everywhere oh, after it's, the like, it's like a new falling. stage yeah basically but That's all those cool. stages for the boss fights like the one we saw in the trailer with rathalos like that stage isn't actually a stage in the game because it's just a flat area but all of those areas like the dracula fight takes place in a more flat place with the throne room um so none of those are actual stages in the game they're only used for those boss fights in particular but yeah i've fought rathalos i fought dracula i fought master hand obviously who's a classic um and i fought um who i just said uh ganon uh, the big ganon from end of ocarina of time and it's it's neat that they change the way those things work that that every fighter is going to have a different final boss and the way it worked for moth who was the first one i went through on, on classic mode was moth is going to fight a bunch of dragons and i'm like okay can you really pull that off game are you able to have six fights where i feel like i'm fighting dragons and surprisingly so because you fight corin um who obviously is a dragon you know that that's the core to that character has like dragon dna um you fight against king k rule who's kind of like a big dragony thing you fight against a large charizard fight against ridley uh you fight against a bunch of me fighters who have like dragon costumes and shit on um so they really do a good job of like when i was going through zelda's one of the fights was against three me fighters who were dressed up as um the what you call them from breath of the wild the uh yiga the yiga clans oh wow people um and i was like oh this is neat and it's taking place on a zelda stage and just like what they did in the spirits board and in world of light it feels like they are paying far more attention to what each character would be represented by and how they could use all the the variety of stuff they have in the game to to twist on it um so that's neat and i i've enjoyed going through classic mode despite the fact that at the end all i get is a jpeg instead of a trophy um the the thing there's a little neat thing that i like as well which frustrated me in the old games is once you've beaten classic mode each character portrait gets a little medal next to them so you can see which characters you've beaten with classic mode and not whereas in the past i had to go back through my trophy collection to see have i beaten this one because even right. if you fail on classic mode it gives you a score and i never knew if i had actually gotten that character or not because the score wasn't a good representation um of whether i'd beaten it or not with that Mm. uh, particular person um so so yeah classic mode so far has been fun to go through and i would say that that's kind of the core like when you talk about the core single player stuff it's pretty much those two things and all these people who have been saying oh my god this game is full of content i honestly i'm struggling to find it i i really don't see that there is much beyond that like the mob smash stuff where you do century smash where you fight a hundred characters all-star has just been gutted now it's basically just a hundred man melee where you just fight every single character in the game on one stage and they just keep reappearing it's it's nowhere near as good as it used to be and obviously it wasn't an amazing thing but at the end of all-star you got the final smash trophy which was a fucking great reward for going through uh the gauntlet of every character um and now it's just like i don't know just just put in 100 man melee and the lack of break the target the lack of home run contest any other you know classic smash brothers mode that was a way for you to jump around and have some variety means that most of my time i've been jumping between classic mode and world of light and i don't think there's a lot else to do um have you had a look at like the tar- the challenge board with the things that you can like go for specifically and stuff like that yet 
Um, well, you kind of like when you when I when I receive like an award for completing a challenge, I've seen it then, but I've not gone right. You haven't and, gone in and checked right, it to like particularly go for stuff. Yeah. No, so so I have been looking at it quite a bit because some of them are specific ones that I want to know. So for example, when you go through classic mode as King K Rule, there's a bonus game and you have to finish it within 45 seconds. And I know I just want to go through classic mode once with everyone. So with King K Rule, once I unlocked him, I just did that and I was able to like focus in on it. So I'm, I'm keeping track of some of these different ones so that I can do them along the way that has really been the thing that has been directing me in terms of what i'm playing uh because as without the trophy uh carrot on the stick it's more about completing the the board and and, and opening up every panel uh, and things like that and actually one of the funny things is on the board you know the hammers that you get that you can use to smash ones you don't want to do yeah some of the ones that are really fucking hard that you would want to use it on such as clear classic on 9.9 intensity it doesn't let you it bans you from smashing that one so you actually have to do that <laughs> wow. one yourself which i don't know if i will be able to do because That's let me tell you some of those bosses at the end fighting them on 9.9 sounds like a goddamn nightmare ganon especially like jesus um but but yeah that's that's how i've really been directing my time with it so far um, and we've played a little bit of online together yeah and, and have you got any of the new characters yet is there anyone that you've been able i've to unlocked k rule but i've not used him yet so oh I'm you just sure. unlocked k rule yeah. okay and obviously for you people like cloud and bayonetta will be new because you right. never owned the and DLC. Ryu, i've unlocked him yeah uh, have you tried him yet at all no 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 I've, I've just been mario and samus to unlock the characters <laughs> they're my two mains that i'm just plowing through trying to get unlock everyone yeah, I mean, I would recommend just jumping around different characters. I really like playing Zelda in this game so far. She looks awesome. I think the new design for Zelda is amazing, but I've I've enjoyed playing through quite a few different modes She's with her. She's got a as real well. delay on her. Um, what's the 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 night thing, the night that comes out from Spirit um, Tracks? Yeah, yeah, from Spirit Tracks. There's like a huge delay on it now, and then maybe it's more powerful. But there's also um. You can hold smashes much, much longer. I was just about to say that. Yes, it's so weird to me that you can just hold a smash forever because one is of the things forever? that you... Well, I don't know if it is forever, but I've held it for what seems like an infinite yeah, amount Yeah, it's a of really time. long time. Uh, and I remember like playing you on Wii U and the way that with Mario you'd hold your smashes and I'd have to... If I was greedy, I'd run in and you'd get me. But usually I just wait for it to dissipate and then run in you're gonna have Whereas to change the strategy now, yeah now it. if you just hold it forever it's just like oh man now i have to think differently about <laughs> how this works and, and, and get into it a bit more um but yes we have played online the first match i played online was just a random one to see and it was with four players with items it was the laggiest thing i've ever played in my life it was a bunch of bullshit and awful and then likewise the first night we had the game when it came out we played online and it was unplayable it was just awful and i'm thinking to myself i'm paying for this service and this is a garbage fucking truck this is nowhere close to what it should be for a service that you put money into um it's the same as it's it's, it was worse than wii u in a lot of elements yeah um and was not fun whatsoever um and we jumped in today uh, and played some, or last night sorry uh, and played some and it was better still laggy um still not the experience that it should be uh but it's still smash brothers and i'm still having fun with it you know so yeah it was a way off being perfect last night but it was actually you could actually throw a punch and it would land at the right time and that sort of thing but yeah it just wasn't 
it wasn't smooth. And like you said, if you're if we're now paying money for this service, you're the what are we getting for that? You know, it needs to there needs to be a step up, and I, maybe it was smoother because it was the day after launch rather than the day of launch. I don't know, or maybe it was just because I moved like between different Wi-Fi um, routers. So I don't know, but it it, it was a bit better. Yeah, um, and and we had some good matchups. I uh, I really enjoy using these new characters against you because you have no idea what the fuck they're going to do. <laughs> and they throw a lot of stuff at you, like a special, like Isabel, uh, Simon Belmont, King K. Rule just seems crazy powerful. He's like, really good. He's so really good. damn good. Um, I like the fact that he has range with his crown. And the funny thing is, if his crown doesn't get back to him, it falls on the stage as an item. And at one point, you picked it up and tried to throw it at me. Oh, that's um, what that was. Because I was like, yes. I thought this was a no items match. What did I just pick up? Yes. So that's King K. Rool's crown that you can pick up. And then you missed me with it and I picked it back up and he puts it back on his head. Um, it's a very neat touch. But that's a cool like ranged attack that he has he also has a counter which i'm always a big fan of um his general like recovery is really good because it's just the helicopter and it's not like it leaves you open obviously but it means that if you're really far off the stage you can get back with him which is usually not the case for a lot of heavyweight characters so he has that up his sleeve um just really powerful like big boxing glove punch he's He's great, and and his down tilt as well, like jams you into the ground like a, like a pitfall seed, uh, which you can then follow up on. So he was a lot of fun to play as, and I was just destroying you with him, <laughs> which was great. Um, and then Isabel was hilarious wow. uh, she because hard. she has her side B, which is using a fishing pole. And you play, was playing a Donkey Kong, and usually with Donkey Kong, if there's like a, a weaker character that takes less hits to KO, you just smash me with them, and I have a really hard time. But with Isabel, I don't know, I was just dancing around you with some nonsense and using the fishing pole to grab you every time and just chuck you away. It was, it was really good, and I enjoyed playing as her quite a bit, which I didn't expect because she wasn't like one of those characters I was anticipating that yeah. much going and into. And she is game. completely different to Villager. It's not like she definitely there's... has a lot of similar elements, like there's uh, pulling. Her standard B, yeah, her turnip, her B, where you take an item uh, into you. Um, Her recovery is similar. It's obviously like a swing uh, as opposed to balloon, but it's it's the same idea, I guess. And and yeah, and she has uh, a few different things. Like uh, her aerial, uh, side aerial is using the slingshot as well. Um, So it's not an echo character because there are a lot of different things that she does uh and and she's unique enough and i think she's a lot of fun to play as Um, and then there's inkling who i've played as not as much um uh, was the first new character to unlock and inkling's a hard one to get your head around because it relies so much on managing how much ink you have left and one of the annoying things is if you don't have a good opportunity or a moment to refill your ink then you have to fill up like a tiny little bit and then you don't have as much ink to use still and then it runs out and then you have so it's this weird situation where if you only get a little bit of ink back then it screws you over because you can't duck down again and keep filling it up because the only time you can fill up your ink is when you've run out of it so if you've run out of it you only get a little bit back then you can't just go back and refill straight away again you have to reward like right you have to use up the tiny bit that you've just got then go down again which is 
frustrating it defeats um, it kind of defeats the whole point of splatoon the whole point was you could top up whenever you wanted like your ink right and, yeah. yeah and maybe there is a way to do that that i just haven't figured out yet because i haven't like looked into it as much and it's a brand new character but um there are some neat moves there use the roller the paintbrushes using the melee um the uh, the gun actually i think puts a lot of paint on your enemy and makes them take more damage if they're covered in paint um which is a neat idea and i was just covering your dk in, in green and it, it looked very very much like what would happen in a splatoon game um so yeah i i've enjoyed the all the new characters that i've played as so far and i'm very excited to get all my favorites i unlocked lucina recently i'm just waiting on cloud i want cloud so i can play as cloud again and obviously i just these dlc characters are going to be so good i'm so excited for joker that seems like a character that could be my main depending on on how he plays um but yeah it's it's been it's been good so far i think that overall i would say i'm probably disappointed with it as a smash brothers game but also it's a smash brothers game so you can't really be disappointed with it it's one of those weird situations yeah. um so I don't it's know. ultimate in some ways and certainly not in others and definitely i think there was a hope that it was going to be ultimate in all ways including single player modes and trophies for example but it just those are the two areas that are lacking a bit if i'm really honest I would say that they that I would rather they just ported the Wii U game and added these new characters. Oh, if yeah, I'm going to be 100%. brutally honest, yeah. I think that would have been a better game than what we got, which is kind of sad, uh, in all honesty. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that World of Light is just way better than any goddamn stupid board game shit they put in the Wii U game. Like, there's it, you don't have to do much to be better than that nonsense because that was just the worst thing they've ever yeah. done in a Smash Brothers but aside from that like the the idea that they could just bring over all the trophies from before and add new ones so it would be less work to do so just be so much better it would be a, a much nicer experience we could do some home run contests we would be able to maybe do a bit more break the targets if they brought that back like event matches the event matches in wii u were really good we had so much fun doing those like i know that spirits and world of light is kind of an event match but ultimately when you add all those spirits that bypass a lot of stuff and it does the kind of rock paper scissors like this beats this this beats this it kind of takes away from the challenge of what an event match is because an event match is a very specific thing yeah and by tampering with stats and and nonsense it it changes what the design of that thing was meant to be Um, it just feels like it feels like an rpg which is what it is like you have a skill tree in this game you can Mm. level it up with with a bunch of bollocks and it just feels like you're overpowering the enemy as opposed to fighting it strategically and and trying to overcome a challenge um so yeah it's it's still a smash brothers game and it's on switch and i have to say in handheld mode looks fucking clean like really nice so so good flows amazingly obviously 60 fps just sakurai knows that that is the the standard he needs to adhere to and and it is it hits it perfectly hits the mark um what i am concerned by is i don't know if we're able to do online like some of those other modes so like squad strike which is a mode i really want to play that looks like the best mode because it's right it's basically like soul caliber where you do like random eight like the eight characters random all uh, and you go through each one yeah and each stock is a different character i want to play that but i don't know if you can do that online i'm from what we've seen of the online and the way how much of a clusterfuck it is to even (laughs) get set up 
I, I don't know if it's in there. We'll have to yeah, dig a we'll little bit. We'll have to have a look. Um, so I think by next time, we'll have played a lot more multiplayer online, hopefully. Yes. We'll know a bit, lot more about all the n- new characters. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure our opinions will, will grow perhaps. But right. at the moment, there's a, a few big flaws. And yeah, but I guess one, that working out how to get the online going in, in different modes is one of those flaws that we just need to get our head around. Yeah, um, and and see if there's there's anything else. I f- feel like there should be more in this game, and I don't know what everyone's talking about. Where they're like, oh, there's endless infinite content. I'm like, what infinite content? There's a single player, and there's classic mode, and then they did like hundred man melee. Where the fuck is everything else? Like, where is my Smash Brothers? Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, that's going to close us out for this first segment. A lot of Smash Brothers talk, um, but we'll be back after the break talking about a lot of different games, all the ones that we played this year that didn't come out this year. Uh, so you'll want to stick around for that uh, uh, and see where we ranked them. Uh, so we'll be back after this. Alright folks, welcome back, and it is finally time to start in on the Game of the Year chat. It's time to talk about all the video games that didn't come out this year, that we played, that are important to us, that we thought we'd throw onto a list uh, and and rank in an order, because that's the only way that lists should work. I do understand people who are like, I don't want to rank my list, I want to do it alphabetically or blah blah blah. That's fine. I'm always in favor of a ranked list just because arbitrary rankings are something that I enjoy a lot and I think is is fun to figure out and it gives you a challenge, right? Because it's not easy to come to a conclusion about whether some first-person shooter is better than some obscure puzzle game. And then in, and then a few, in a few years, MBZ, I can say, hey, but you thought this game was better than that game. Why are you arguing exactly. for it differently on this list? Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's weird that like time changes sometimes how you Definitely. feel about certain yeah. games. Um, and you look back and you're like, why did I put that there? Um, which is, is interesting. And I think that's why a lot of people like with nostalgia and stuff think back fondly on a lot of games and, and how they change but like how, anyway. how drastically our top 50 games of all time changed from probably one, episode 50 to 100 you know it just yeah it jumped 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so the layout for this segment is we're going to go through a few emails of some Game of the Years that didn't come out this year that you sent in, and then we're going to do our top 10, uh, myself and Bally, and go back and forth down the list from 10 to 1 uh, and just chat about some video games, some really good games that we played this year. Um, it's been it's been pretty good overall, I think, for older games. For you in particular, Bally, you've, um, you went ham uh, on, on yeah. some old games and there's, year, there's which... a, there's... A few reasons for that that I'm, I'm sure I'll go, get into when yes. we get to those lists. But yeah, it's been a good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with uh, some emails uh, that have been sent in to us from people who have uh, done their list for us. And we've cut down a few of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, we only have a few here. So we just want to run through and see uh, some of the flavor of what uh, everyone has been playing. So the first one's from Acerbus, uh, who says, Congratulations on another fine year of podcasting, and in particular reaching that five-year milestone. Thank you, Acerbus. Uh, here are my games of the year that I played for the first time this year that didn't come out this year. Uh, before I get to the list, I need to give a quick honorable mention to Lisa, which is a game I'm still in the middle of and would have probably made the list if I had beaten it. It's a side-scrolling, gritty RPG similar to Earthbound in how it does its well-building through encouraging you to interact with everything to see what humorous quip was written. It seems really good. Uh, always like a good Earthbound-style game, so that sounds very, very cool. Uh, now on to the proper list. Number five, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. The way intelligent systems manage to create a world so different from anything the Mario cast has ever interacted with and yet not feel at all out of place is really something to behold. Number four, Yakuza Kiwami. This game continues to deliver on the series' main strength, the juxtaposition between three elements. One, the very serious main story. Two, the bonkers side stories. And three, the dopiness of our boy, Kazuma Kiryu. Add in the sheer amount of things to do around Kamurocho and an obnoxious amount of Goro Majima, and you've got yourself another great Yakuza game. Yakuza is one of those series that I just need to play a bit more um, because I watched Giant Bomb play through Yakuza Kiwami, um, and I was very, very into it. When did that Um, one come out? That came out last year, um, and that is a... No, actually, sorry. They didn't play through Kiwami. They played through Yakuza 0. Yakuza Kiwami is a remake of Yakuza 1, um, and Yakuza 0 is like a prequel, basically. Um, but uh, but yeah, I need to get around to those because I really enjoyed watching them play through Yakuza 0. Uh, number three, Opus Magnum. How Opus Magnum manages to capture the satisfaction attained from problem-solving better than any other game is impressive. Creating, programming, and optimizing your mechanical alchemy contraptions is addicting, but not as addicting as watching your creations churn out the required molecules with increasing speed and incredibly satisfying sound design games like opus magnum are ones that i hear about all the time that like i think zaktronics is the the studio that does it um and i look at them and i'm like these these are basically games just about programming and i i have i'm not good at that at all and i have no aptitude for it so i always find it interesting it's like when uh, it's are... just like a more complicated mario maker you know it's the... well yeah to some degree i guess but it's actually you actually have to know something about how you know systems work and, and stuff like that which you know, right. I may try at some point because I'm I have an interest in maybe learning some programming, but then I think about it, I'm like, God, am I ever going to be able to do that? It seems very intimidating. Um, number two is the Sexy Brutal, which is a game I've heard a lot about. Uh, he says it is expertly crafted. The music and visual design blend together coherently, resulting in a unique roaring twenties aesthetic. The time bending mechanic mixes puzzle solving and exploration in innovative and ingenious ways. The story sticks the landing on an ending in a mo- in a way most games would fail. Uh, and his number one is Darkest Dungeon, uh, which 
appears at face value to be a simple yet brutal turn-based dungeon crawler with a jaw-dropping Lovecraftian horror art style, yet it hides an addicting and rewarding gameplay loop that asks how far you're willing to push your heroes and your luck. I've played over 100 hours of Darkest Dungeon this year and will definitely be embarking upon uh, multiple new campaigns in the years to come. Thanks for reading my list and look forward to hearing what everyone else has been sinking their teeth into this year. Hopefully be back in two weeks with my goatees proper. Your stalwart listener, Acerbus. Thank you, Acerbus, for that list. Um, very interesting. Well, I think Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is one of those games that gets talked about so much by people as a, a classic RPG um, that should get around to at some point. We need to get on those Paper Marios. Balance, yeah, sure. we really do. Um, there's always there's always chance for it in the backlog club. It's a, yeah, it's an option. It's an option. Absolutely. Um, our next list is from Simon S, who's from the Netherlands. He says, "Dear guys at this Nintendo Life, here are my top fives for 2018. Top five games I played this year that didn't actually come out this year." Number five, Devil's Third on the Wii U. <laughs> well, we'll That's a, a choice. This in a That's a choice. <laughs> no, number four, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest on the Super Nintendo. Number three, Castlevania. It's actually Diddy's Conquest, just as a slight correction there. Diddy, uh, what did I say? Diddy's it's, it's Kong. It's not Diddy. He's written it as Diddy, Diddy Kong's Quest. The game is actually called Diddy's, Diddy's. Conquest, ah, I think. That's um, clever. That's very yes. clever. Only, only rare would ever come up with something. Um, yeah. Number three, Castlevania Mirror of Fate on the 3DS. Number two, Fire Emblem Fates Conquest on 3DS. Yes. Number one, Yoshi's New Island on 3DS. Well, it's definitely... Every year Simon sends us a list, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if he's trolling us or if this is actually... <laughs> or it's just, just personal taste, you know? Personal taste, yeah. you know, that he loves Devil's Third and, and Yoshi's New Island, but... Um, but yeah, a, a great list that I, always surprises me, and it is great. So I need to get around that. to that second Donkey Kong Country game because uh, everyone yeah. who's played all three of them says it's the best. So yeah, right. I know uh, Danielle Riando on Waypoint says that she can't decide between Tropical Freeze and Donkey Kong Country Two for her favorite in the series. That so. says a lot, right? Mm. You need to yeah, need yeah. to get on that. Um, and do you want to take this last one then from Sean Bally? Sure. Sean, uh, Timeless Gaming UK, says, I just wanted to share my top games that I played this year that didn't come out this year. Xenoblade Chronicles 3D on 3DS. Quite simply, the best RPG I've ever played. The stellar voice acting and epic story elevates the decent gameplay into an amazing package. Golf Story on Switch. I loved the humor in this quirky golfing RPG and the solid gameplay never stopped being fun. I think I prefer Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color overall, but Golf Story is a fantastic spiritual successor that had me grinning throughout. Fire Emblem Awakening on 3DS. My second ever Fire Emblem game, the first being Fate's Conquest. I found that... I found that game far too hard and frustrating and ended up having to play on casual mode in order to finish it. Awakening was far less daunting and I had a much better time because of it. I also found the story and characters to be much more likeable and the option of Japanese voice actors was a a godsend after having to endure the hammy American dub and conquest. I'm I'm 100% with Bally when it comes to American accents and fantasy settings. I just I just wanted to finish off by saying thanks for putting out, out so many fantastic podcasts. I actually found you from your Zenblade Chronicles re- retrospective episode, which I listened to after finishing the game earlier this year. Since then, I've caught up on a huge amount of your other episodes, and it's kept me thoroughly entertained at work. Your ranking episodes are a particular highlight, so I'm really glad to be able to contribute to this one. I'm hoping you'll do another backlog club soon, as I love hearing you talk about all games and i'd love to join in with one too anyway keep up the great work sean 
thank you very much sean um and i think that having episodes where we look back on games is quite good to find people who just finished those games i'm like yeah i want to listen to because that's what i do when i finish a game i was like is there a spoiler cast out there about this thing yeah i I agree listen to Um, and just the fact that we talk about games that we played this year that didn't come out this year when many you know regular gaming podcasts they're always talking about the newest latest best and it has to be what's just come out what's coming out and we tried to obviously cover that as well but it's there's always times in the year where we're playing backlogs and older games and you know it's important that they get recognition because ultimately yeah. and i think most people who play games play that way honestly yeah like that a lot of people you know there are people who follow the industry closely and always are on the, the newest next thing but most people are just like yeah i'm still playing this game from a couple of years ago catching up on it um because you know got to save some money can't get everything day one yeah it's easy to think that everyone plays like video game journalists when that's how video game journalists discuss the way that they play games whether they're on to the next and you're like well not everyone's not everyone's playing the hottest thing at the moment but yeah yeah great all right well uh well thanks everyone for sending those lists in uh we'll do a bit more of lists next time so if you didn't manage to get yours in for this time send it in and we may be able to cover yours uh, on the next show before the the year ends um so fantastic okay well uh let's kick things off then with our top 10 games that we played this year that didn't actually come out this year and bally um how, how did you feel overall about this year in terms of your your old games so this year old games coming to switch was a big deal i there's a lot of games on this list and many games that didn't make my list um that are old games that came to switch new this year so that it was my first chance to play them and lots of games that you've been recommending for years in some cases that yeah. i should try out um mbz and then i was like right well they're on to switch now perfect opportunity i'll pay my premium price to <laughs> buy these games and play them handheld and in almost all circumstances it was definitely worth it so that's for me why my list is so strong in many ways combined with the fact uh that i did pick up a playstation 4 this year and i actually played more new playstation 4 games rather than old playstation 4 games this year just yeah. kind of with the way that I, all the other switch games i was playing and certainly in 2019 i'd hope to play maybe a few more older playstation 4 games knowing that there's not quite the the density of lineup coming out next year on playstation 4 that i'm i'm keen to pick up so that's kind of how my list has been formed and there's always the classic stuff i mean obviously the super nintendo nintendo classic is still in there and that's kind of how this list has been put together it was it's a been a really 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 strong year and that's partly Mm -hmm. i guess last year 2017 in terms of nintendo was unbelievable whereas uh, this year a lot of the newer games it's been a very ps4 focused year but still picking up all those classic nintendo games that have come to switch is has been amazing to be honest yeah uh it's i think for my list it's been not maybe as strong as it could have been overall um but I th- I think there are games on here that I adore and I think are going to be ones that I will cherish for a very long time. So I think it's it's uh, every year I find a game that I could say is probably going to uh, like in the running for my top ten of all time. You know, absolutely, um, I'm the and that's, same. Yeah. That's awesome um, when that happens. So so yeah, should we start things off then, Bali, with your number ten? Sure. Well, my number ten is a. Uh new game to switch uh but it's an older game and that's axiom verge uh nice. this was one of the games that you'd been keen that i try out and 
I think that this game is the closest feeling game to Super Metroid I've ever, ever I've ever played. It's it's not scared to throw really tough bosses at you, and not it's not very handholdy when it comes to exploration and things. Uh, it's not over, it's not as brutal as Super Metroid, I'd argue, but I had a, such a great time with this with this game. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the kind of sci-fi kind of aspect and the art style i do like although there are other art styles in this genre that i i, I definitely prefer but yeah that, that's it's very just very voxely and pixely and yeah and like I, the color palette when you destroy very... bosses and they just explode in the craziness yeah that that, happens, that, that stuff awesome. looks really cool yeah yeah so that kind of emphasis on pixel art and the way that pixels kind of interact with the way that you play with certain beams that you're firing at different walls and enemies and you can get enemies to kind of essentially they look like they're just glitching out and stuff like really cool innovative stuff that is thrown in there um i think like similar to super metroid it's also a game laden with secrets and things to find and just hidden weird areas like i remember when i mm. played i came across this one place that i just went through a wall and ended up in some like glitch zone uh, and at the end of that zone was like a special gun that i i was able to get and like a lot of the items you collect in this game are different types of weapons that aren't required to finish the game yeah. but are good rewards for exploration as you go through yeah absolutely and i it's, it's hard not to just fall back into your favorite gun and always use that yeah but there I, are, I tended to do that quite and a bit, i did so. as well but there were always certain bosses certain enemies where it was like hey actually i could really struggle with my normal vanilla weapon that i'll enjoy using on the game generally or i could just try using this one and actually finding out hey it actually is really easy to defeat this boss or this enemy using this quirky weapon i've not really used throughout the game so there was some cool stuff in there and i, I like how a lot of those weapons are very optional so you, yes. you pick up some you miss some and everyone's experience with this game is very can be very different as a result of that um one of the hardest final bosses i've ever faced i think i've yeah it's pretty I, found it really, I found it really hard um and yeah, overall, a really, really solid Metroidvania that I played near the start of the year. It's fantastic on Switch. I would highly recommend if you're into into the genre. That's my number 10, Axiom Verge. Great. Axiom Verge is, is an awesome game. Glad to see it represented. My number 10 is a game that I played at the very start of the year, and I literally played it in one day. Um, it is the original Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior 1 on Game Boy, which I played through emulation. But, this is retro um, as hell. <laughs> the retro as hell. But uh, this is a game that, you know, I, I have a mission in life valley to finish every final fantasy and every dragon quest which i know is like a fool's errand i swear I there was know. there was some other um rpg game series in there as well was it no it was it was it's just dragon quest and final fantasy for the moment if i decide <laughs> that i've finished with those and i want to do something else then maybe um but in my quest to do so i was like okay i'm gonna start from the beginning let's go to the first game and the first game on the nes is actually pretty archaic and, and not really a fun experience especially for someone who for me personally i find it so much easier to go back and play old game boy games than old nes games because i grew up on game boy games like things like pokemon and things that i played like there's this game based on quest for camelot which was a movie that come out in the late 90s and it was like a zelda style top-down game um that my sister had gotten for her game boy when we first got the game boy and so those style of uh game boy graphics and everything and the sound chip and the way that the music works and everything i'm just more amenable to that style so i thought if i'm going to play the first game i'm going to play it in the version that appeals most to me 
which is that Game Boy version. And having played it, I, I was just so impressed by how large and expansive and ambitious that game is to be, you know, an old NES RPG that set the standard for RPGs going forward. Um, the world is crazy filled with so many different things and it's very obscure there's a lot of annoyances like you have to find like if you run out of keys you don't have enough keys you have to go back to this one place in the world that sells keys and you have to have enough on you but your inventory is limited so you can only have so many um i i think that i enjoyed it more because i was able to fast forward through a lot of the grinding and 90 percent of that game is grinding it's just like fighting random enemies in the overworld in order to beat them and, and, and level up and then be able to buy some good gear um but it's fun delving into the dungeons it's fun going over the overworld and and there's so many like weird random puzzles that are so obscure and things that i usually hate um but just going through it with a guy to help me uh and enjoying the grind and and being able to level myself up fast and just i wanted to experience the game and i think the way i experienced it was the best way to do so with uh mm. you know the modern conveniences of having the speed up button would it on have been emulator doable and... without modern conveniences yeah or would well you actually the, the funny thing about it is that i back in the day on my ace card on my ds i had basically put a game boy emulator onto that so i could play it on my ds and original dragon warrior was one of the games i'd put on there just to test out and i had played it for like a good hour or two just running around grinding on enemies and and leveling up and so it is definitely possible uh, and feasible to to do it that way it just take a long time and i i just didn't want to spend the time doing it so i'd rather just kind of breeze through and it was a really enjoyable experience and it was very satisfying to finish the entirety of the first dragon warrior in one day um and there's something unique about it as well because you start that game at a castle and then literally you can see down below the final boss area the final castle and it's separated from you by uh, a lake or a river I, sh- I should say going through and the entire adventure is about going the long way round basically going around the entire island till you eventually get your way to that final place um and it's, it's far more complicated than i originally thought it would be like you have to get a bunch of items to unlock areas there's this really hard to find item that's hidden on this very one specific panel in the overworld that to get there is a nightmare and how people figured it out in 1980 whatever i i don't know um i imagine guides would have been very helpful because i think the original dragon warrior came with nintendo power back in the day if you if you like subscribed to nintendo power i think you got it and then they had a guide with it as well how did people so, without nintendo power back then do anything like, they, I, they didn't i mean that was the thing like yeah. I, and i know a lot of us talk about how did anyone figure out anything back in the day but <laughs> back then nintendo power and other magazines and strategy guides existed everywhere and people would share information about them and so yes it was obscure but there were means to find out what you needed to do so Mm. so so it was all available but but yeah i i I just thought it was it was a great game to go back to um and you know it doesn't necessarily hold up but i really enjoyed playing through it so that's why i put it at number 10 on my list well my number nine and this kind of, I guess, speaks to how strong this list is. <laughs> My number nine is Super Meat Boy. What the fuck, man? Right. <laughs> That's some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this game, again, came out on Switch near the start of the year. I still can't get my head around the theming of this game. I just can't. I just don't like you. you when you <laughs> the, told the me, like, I don't the, like the meat and the blood, I was like, okay. 
sure fine like that literally has never crossed my mind when it comes to meat boy i actually really like the sound of the slapping against the wall and like (laughs) the the fact that it leaves a trail because it like you can see where you've been and like you slowly make the entire level red because you're you're sliding all around it and there's something about it that i find satisfaction is i don't know what that says about me versus you the idea it becomes more red is fine it's the fact that you're a slab of meat and that is blood that i'm I'm less okay with but anyway i don't know it's the cartoonish nature of it that gives me enough remove from it that i don't really think about it in that way if it was a realistic meat boy can you imagine fucking realistic meat boy that would be the most horrifying thing it kind of would be uh yeah but yeah the, the controls i thought were incredibly silky smooth and there's this just crazy crazily addictive level design it was the first kind of instant respawn platformer that i'd played and i absolutely loved it just for that it was so fast paced just pick up play like half an hour on switch so easily out of sleep mode and it was incredibly satisfying um some of the levels near the end were unbelievably difficult i i must admit on the final level like the final boss i really really struggled and i must admit that maybe for about a portion of that i wasn't having a ton of fun but eventually i I beat it and that was one of my greatest gaming achievements actually was beating super meat boy but yeah i think meat boy forever is it called is coming yes that's kind of meant actually, to be this year um, now it's next year so right? so during the kind of funny game showcase they actually had a trailer for it with a release date and it's not an actual release date but it's coming in april of next year now um, cross-platform so, including switch yes or... yes All right, it is cool yeah um, so yeah I, i'd be interested in that i mean 2019 isn't looking is it's not there's not a ton of games that i'm definitely day one on so maybe that could be a game that i'd pick up around april time but we'll see so yeah super, super meat boy what what a game that's my number nine it's one of the best platformers of all time you put it at number nine bally what's wrong i hear you I hear, yeah, you. I hear you yeah i know i know that you definitely had issues like we talked about that specific enemy that you're really fucking annoyed by that kept killing you and yeah stuff like that yeah um, and there are but... platformers that i'm sure we'll talk about in future shows uh, like uh-huh. maybe next time show that have just taken aspects of meat boy and gone to the next level so mm-hmm. yeah there's yeah. A, a lot but this was i guess the first of that ilk yeah absolutely it it created basically my favorite platforming genre so so there you go uh my number nine is it's not a game i really expected to put on here but the more i thought about it i was like actually i had a really good time with this um and it's shantae half genie hero which mm. i played on switch earlier this year uh and if you'll remember from maybe a couple of years back when we played shantae and the something the curse pirates, the pirates curse. curse um i wasn't a huge fan of that game i i didn't I like, like that game yeah it's like it's good and it's fun but i think that some of the elements about it were really frustrating to me like the fact that you had to go through these really long stretches with enemies before you got to the metroidvania style parts um and you had to go around collecting a bunch of random bullshit that was really hard to find and and really annoying and it didn't give you a lot of direction um whereas half genie hero really streamlines so much of that process i'd say it's overall a much easier game um and you do go back to areas so it is about retraversal but the thing that makes it better is it gives you direction it will indicate to you where you need to go and what specifically you need to get um it looks really really nice it's this mixture of hd art with some 3d elements to it um and i think it just looks amazing on switch there's a great variety to the different areas you go to um and 
the crux of it is that Shantae can transfer form into different animals um, and so a lot of it is getting different animal forms going back to areas you've previously been to um, and just collecting a bunch of stuff that you need to get in order to uh, finish the game and I actually ended up 100%ing it not because I you know I don't know it was one of those things that I was enjoying myself so much playing through it that i was like close enough to 100 percent. i'm like yeah i'll go through I'll, I'll just find everything that i want to in this game and there are some really unique transformations uh, that really change the level design and, and make you think about it in new ways so when you first go through one of these areas it's like this waterfall level where there are like platforms and you're going higher and higher and there's a lot of verticality to it and you go back there once you get a power-up that turns you into a tiny little mouse and before you had noticed that these platforms have these little grooves in them um, that basically join together and there are you know moving platforms that go up and down that will connect to other areas and as this tiny mouse you basically retraverse the entire area through these little etchings and it zooms in really close to them and you find secret places through that so the level design has like multi-purpose to it um, it's just very smart and and really cool and, and i just i found it a lot of fun it has a great vibe to it of course i think one of the best aspects of pirate's curse was the music and the music here is is great as well um it was just a very fluid experience that i i thought was great and and it, i didn't expect to put on this list but i i was looking at the other games and i'm like well i actually had a really good time with this so i'm gonna put it at number nine um and that is that so so i check it out i'd say it's it's probably it is the best shantae game of the two that i've played so so there you go well, my number eight is Contra 3, The Alien Wars. Mm. Um, so when you came to Brussels earlier in this year, MBZ, I really didn't know what to expect with this game because you were like, yeah. right, Bally, we're playing this. And I kind of felt like it would probably be kind of bad and not much fun. <laughs> and I was so wrong. It was just such a blast. Uh, I, I Maybe we may, used one one or two too many safe states near the end of this game no nope, i think definitely not we kind, of, we kind of needed it but wow what a fun game that held up so well i thought it, there, there were aspects that were some hot bullshit and that they, they're hard to defend but they, they kind of added to a level of slapstick fun while playing right. this that was just so so much fun because it was kind of like um it didn't really feel like there's no kind of modern games it feels it's like quite a classic genre the whole kind of side scroller shooter thing that you don't really get modern games that do that a ton um and i hadn't really played any i, I don't think um but working out like this is how we're going to get this boss and oh you need to save this power up for this specific moment and we'd kind of both work out things gradually and share each other's experiences and Maybe this game is way more fun because we played it in co-op. I'm it gonna a hundred percent absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a single player experience, trying to work out what the hell to do next, and just, just trying to survive. Honestly, just trying yeah. to stay alive. It would have been as, miserable. Uh, in a single player is must be a nightmare. Um, but but yeah, playing it with two people and like you start levels and you have your strategies and you you know like every part of the level you're like okay we do this then we do this you need to get this gun so that you can do this with this gun i'm gonna have that one and we're gonna like you you build out strategies specifically for certain areas and you know what patterns bosses are gonna do and and then some random element gets thrown in it and you die like three times in a row and you're like fuck and you have to start again um but it's so much fun doing that like remembering that one boss which is uh like the top down one and 
it basically like goes round in a circle and we had to work out how we had to like duck we had to work out that we had to walk in the opposite direction to stay right, in this one yeah. place so that we could hit the specific weak point and just get going through that experience and f- finally figuring it out and getting it when at the start we were like this is fucking impossible we're never going to beat <laughs> yeah. this it's so good because it shows that progression that you go through um and really it's about the persistence and being able to figure out a strategy and execute on it and and also just collaborate being able to communicate and make sure that we both know what we're doing and and everyone has their goal it's oh such a great game and just the the amount of screaming at the tv when with success and failures yes <laughs> and caroline sitting next to us being like oh they're really getting into, getting yeah. into this but the energy and the, and like the the button mashing on those super nintendo controllers it was just it felt like a really retro fun co-op experience and going in thinking this isn't going to be fun and coming out away being like that's maybe the best game we played this weekend that whole weekend yeah exactly really just um a surprise and yeah makes its way above games like super meat boy on my list so yeah i think it it did something well so yeah that's my number eight contra three the alien wars amazing um my number eight is a game we did this year for our backlog club it is punch out on wii um and it's a game that i had been wanting to play for a long time uh, it's a next level game obviously who've made such classics as the mario striker series and luigi's mansion 2 uh, and obviously uh, everyone's favorite metro prime federation force and i think they'll probably be working on luigi's mansion 3 i imagine so right yeah Would you it say? makes sense um, I, um, yeah like, i don't think it's confirmed yet but yeah, but they are they're in the business of like reviving Nintendo IP to some degree like Retro is. Uh you know, the, these two studios in the West that Nintendo rely on so much are basically there to revive old Nintendo stuff. And I think the job they did with Punch-Out Wii was tremendous. It's such a um throwback to the originals, but also adds in so many elements that make it a more playable experience and and gives so much character and life to that universe um with an amazing art style that i think just works perfectly for that series um the idea that you know figuring out those bosses and being able to use the sound cues and the visual cues together it's one of those games that you could actually just have headphones on and play blind I'm, i imagine that's probably been done at like an agdq or something where someone has just blindly played through a punch out game because it is so much about listening for uh what they say like they'll they'll all have different phrases that they say before they do a move um, and if you know those then you can instinctively move out of the way in the right direction but it's such a simple idea and it's just executed so so well i think it was on um because uh on radio free nintendo they just did sort of the punch out series in there yes what do they call them retro retroactive retroactives yeah. um and i think they said on the super nintendo version sometimes they do fake audio cues to like oh, mess you yeah. up or something and they said that it was just really lame that they did that and to have the wii version irons out all those kinks and like it's the the best the best of the punch out series and i mean it's the only one that, we, that i've played and i really enjoyed this game as well um it's it was just such it's essentially like a, a puzzle fighting game and i yeah. don't think i've ever played any other puzzle fighting game like it's not really something you think about and obviously only being boss driven is another selling point that i think is pretty cool when you get there's a few games out there that are only bosses and this is one of them and it it works really well for that that idea 
yeah it's it's just such a great aesthetic to it it has a really cool vibe and i i like the way that it builds on itself um and and you have a lot of extra stuff you can do we didn't end up doing it but you know you can do the title defense and then you can eventually fight goddamn donkey kong in the game you know um there's there's a lot of fun references and, and elements in there i would say that you know they were talking about this on the retroactive as well but for the future i would like to see them do some new stuff with some different characters because a lot of these characters are just put back from previous games and and punch out we does feel like a remake in some senses of the original punch out just like in hd yeah. um i don't know what you do to evolve the series because it is still built on that core foundational element of puzzle solving with like moves and learning patterns um and that's why it's so good so so trying to think of like where's the next step for it is a bit tricky maybe uh but i i would say that it is a series i would love to see come back again um and it would be perfect on switch i think it'd just be an amazing game for the system um so so yeah i think that that is another one of those classic nintendo franchises that we've now covered to some degree um and, right. and i really enjoyed it thought it was brilliant my number seven uh, is our other backlog club, and that's Final Fantasy VI. Ah, yeah, uh, which I keep calling Final Fantasy VII, so it being in seventh <laughs> place isn't helping with that problem. No, um, so yeah, this was my first Final Fantasy. Uh, I thought the story and characters in this game was just like the best part of the game by a mile. I think. I think the idea that the story is essentially in two very different acts. Uh, that are so different from each other, the, the two separate acts, where the first act feels quite traditional, quite building up to face the big bad, and then the right. second act quite is linear almost, as well, right. and you know where you're going, and you have and direction. It, it's that very much Star Wars idea of the Empire being, sorry, like the, the Empire forming, and then the Empire eventually being defeated, kind of, in, in two acts prequel and original trilogy I sure guess you can compare yeah it to in some ways right and and with the kind of like middle uh portion of it being the downfall and then you know heroes yeah. having to rise back up right and that cast of characters that takes you through that incredibly immersive interesting story i just really enjoyed i i can't i don't think i think playing a game like octopath traveler this year it made me realize yeah battle systems have changed a lot and the the battle system i guess in final fantasy 6 is very traditional to 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 its core i guess and maybe i'm already kind of wanting in my jrpg something that does something a bit different with uh battle systems or that's that's just a Mm. personal preference and certainly the battle system grew on me as you kind of learn how to use the espers and all that kind of thing right which was kind of cool where you essentially can make teach anyone anything um which yeah if you put the time in you can have everyone have every spell in the game right uh, which which can help for the final boss if you have like meteor or whatever that you can just smash down constantly right Um, right which i did for a couple of characters um but but yeah it's 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 pretty cool um yeah it allows that flexibility i really want to try more in the final fantasy series and it's great that they're all now coming to going to switch in 20 exactly we've got goddamn seven and nine and yeah. 12 and oh, so i think i will well. try seven next i don't know but i'll you should probably seven is a good, good in game. 2019 um that would be a good next step but yeah i had i had a blast with this game and yeah in a in a very tough year of amazing games it has gotten to number seven so yeah that's final fantasy six yeah, boy. at okay. my number seven wow uh there must be a lot of games above that which are uh cream of the crop uh my number seven 
is a game that most people would put a number one uh, for all time and ever. Uh, it is Super Mario World, uh, a game that Bally shits on constantly. You know, you can't hear the end. This is very high on your list, I might, I might say. I really enjoyed Super Mario World, and I was surprised how much I, I, I liked it. Having come off Mario 3 being bitter as all hell and, and not having enjoyed that experience and thinking that the end is bullshit and it's, it's very it's a real annoying and frustrating... I, I think Mario World does this amazing thing of having such a vibrant look to it, having an overworld that feels so cozy, having levels that are actually compact and don't overstay their welcome, and yet have little secret elements to them that are fun to find and that will surprise you and take you to places that you don't think you're going to go. There is a real joy of discovery in that game that I didn't think I would enjoy, but ended up thinking was a great aspect of it um their platforming elements and and the cohesiveness of it is far better overall than i think a lot of its previous um iterations um and i just like the variety i think it does a lot of different things like using the cape um in different levels and being able to have you know crazy contraptions that are more unique there are a lot of elements in uh, Super Mario World that didn't show up in Mario Maker that surprised me. Mm. Um, you played Mario things... Maker before World, whereas exactly, I played the right. other way around, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so there are a lot of things that you can't really do in Mario Maker that show up in Super Mario World, um, which I hope for the next Mario Maker they'll add in a bit more of that stuff. Uh, but like, I, I just like the mechanics of this game because you're able to hold items like P-switches and like throw them up and catch them and you do the spin jump. There, There's a real fluidity to the movement and that's why I think when I play Mario Maker, I tend to gravitate towards Super Mario World levels because I like the core design set that that game goes with it feels like there's a lot of flexibility and creativity with it um just owing to the fact that you can throw things about and catch things and uh you know interact more with the enemies um uh, that level of you know um just changing aspects of the world uh, and being able to just interact with it a bit more I, I found super satisfying um and I, I think that even its hardest levels at the end, I enjoyed going through, despite the fact that, yeah, there may be as bullshit as some of the hardest stuff in Mario 3, but there are bullshit that I respected more. I think that the level design was stronger. I think that, obviously, it's just nicer to be in that world and, and just exist in some of the environments that they create. Um, doing Star Road is, is a lot of fun, despite the fact that, you know some of those levels like when you become big fat balloon mario and you have to float through all these areas and have to dodge stuff and it's really hard but it is it reminded me of games like super meat boy and i turned it into a super meat boy with the save state element so, right, so yeah, being able to do that say. and reset and just play those star world levels as if they were you know a level from celeste or from imagine super those meat boy. people playing them without those safe states, no i though. know it's, that's yeah it, it that's where i mind. I know, and I think that's the the point where I'm like, yes, I'm glad I'm playing this in 2018 and not in 1994 or whenever it came out. Uh, it would have been great because it, you would have got a lot of uh, longevity out of that game back then, but I think doing it now definitely served me better and allowed me to enjoy those levels on 
you know in a different way um and and appreciate the level design for what it is and not be frustrated when i die because i can just reset you know and go back and do it again and it's Um, a pretty quick reset on the super nintendo classic assuming you have the box fairly near you um as annoying as it is to have to have to do yes or if you're a smart person and go and hack your super nintendo classic then you can like button map it so you can bring up that menu by just using the controller which i will do eventually um but but yeah super mario world it's really good um yeah it's really good you think it's really good i think it's good and okay we'll leave it at that there we go (laughs) um my number six uh is overcooked special edition so this is another game um it came out uh in 2017 i want to say actually on switch i think it, it was at the end of that that year um this was something i've been meaning to play for a while i always wanted to try it and i managed to persuade caroline to be like hey let's play a co-op game together and then she just absolutely loved it i absolutely loved it i think it. she likes it more than you do i think she does like it more than me and we were so keen like her like caroline's game of e3 2018 was overcooked too like that was her absolute this is the hottest game coming out the rest of this year that i want to buy and play and we did that, and we can do, we'll talk about that next episode. But the original, Overcooked, um, well, it's not the original, it's a special edition of the original, just working out strategies and get, getting really slick, becoming really strict on how you play this game, and, and especially in two-player, because I think in maybe three or four-player, trying to discuss strategies and that sort of thing can maybe get a bit too complicated because there's more moving parts but in a two-player scenario you can really kind of nail what you're trying to achieve and i just think the satisfaction of so we never moved on before getting three stars or i think we went back and got through essentially we got three stars and everything but there were some levels especially in this first game that were incredibly difficult to get three stars in and it was just constantly going back saying right we we missed out on three stars by 10 points how are we going to play this level again and get it absolutely right what are we going to change and then trying out different tactics and strategies and it was just incredibly satisfying to see those come together and yeah we went on and played all the extra levels in the special edition uh getting three stars in the lot and then day Mm. one we picked up overcooked two and yeah we had a blast with that as well but overcooked is similar to contra three it is all about communication and making sure that you know what you're supposed to do and executing on yeah. it and and i will say that when i stepped into the kitchen metaphorically uh with, with both of player, you playing yeah. i felt very out of my depth <laughs> in terms of like you were just master chefs like gordon ramsay and i was like one of those poor fucking sods on his show who's like oh, i don't know what it's to like, do and he said, you can you can wash the dishes just keep washing yeah. that's that's yeah. your job we'll do the rest yeah. and you're like yeah. right okay i'm washing yeah. dishes yeah yeah i'm just like i'll be in the corner just leave me alone please <laughs> oh boy yeah that was that was hilarious and yeah we uh, i feel like at some point we should maybe try that campaign together mbz or i mean I doesn't overcook to allow you to do that online yeah it does have online so maybe see if that's on sale at some point and we could It'd be really nice if i had crossplay because i think i just got it for free on humble bundle or something or not humble yeah. bundle twitch prime Don't i think, think i got the or, actually i think i got the original overcooked for free through right. Twitch prime or something like that I, yeah. it, it's somewhere it's the thing with pc is just you just own it's everything a free you game. don't know have it. yeah yeah, just, just it was it. a game on Switch. Have charge an extra five quid. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, go yeah, is that your? Yeah, that was my number six. Overcooked. Fantastic. Number Switch. six. 
My number six is Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. Uh, so this is the second DS I am game. so lost with these names, it's ridiculous. I, I know. I could yes. not name you a, sing- a single no, I console don't, that look, any of these games are on. I don't expect you to. Uh, <laughs> this is the second DS game. Um, and I, after this year, I've now finished all the Igovania-style Castlevania games. So that's Symphony of the Night, uh, the three GBA games, and the three DS games. So the seven, seven total, right. Seven of those, uh, which I have finished. And this is the se- this is the penultimate one. So it's the second DS game. And I think that this is my favourite in the series outside of Symphony of the Night. Nothing can touch wow. Symphony of the Night. I think that that game is the best one, and it's not going to be topped. Um, it's just so, so great. Um, but Portrait of Ruin, I would say, is my number two in terms of all these games. And I think the reason why is because it has a lot of unique elements to it, has a great difficulty curve, and is just really varied in a lot of its locations. So instead of having one super large castle, which it kind of does, it has a relatively large castle, but what happens is you find these portraits which you jump into. So it's basically the Mario 64 of Castlevania games. And every time you jump into a portrait, it it has a new metroid level to it so it, it's like a smaller more compact um like many different areas that you go to and it allows a lot of variety so there's a desert level there's a like carnival level with clowns and stuff and it, and it goes in like the circle and and you th- things are on the ceiling and everything so it it's able to get away from a lot of the traditional areas that you kind of get bored of in Castlevania games. Like it, it was unique the first time I went to the library in Symphony of the Night, and it was unique the first time I went to the Clock Tower in Symphony of the Night. But they kept repeating those elements throughout a lot of these other games, and after a time, it just became like, oh yeah, I'm going to this place. This is where the Medusa heads are. I know what's going to happen here. It's, it kind of broke the monotony by implementing this portrait system where you go to different places and and makes it so it's a bit more unique uh, and has a bit more flavor to it um and i think the system of having the two characters that you switch between was really neat um one of them who's more focused on magic the other one who's more focused on melee and there are quite a few different puzzles that you do where you have to switch between them um there's one where you are riding on this I guess I can't remember what it is exactly but it's like this conveyor belt style thing and you keep having to like duck and dodge and switch between the two characters in order to get through it so it has some puzzle solving elements um obviously you have the you know upgrades that you get along the way it has that classic Castlevania formula of leveling up uh, getting new gear um traversing the environment it's it's just a really solid well-made great looking Castlevania that has enough unique elements that make it stand out from the rest of them um and just it adds a bit of a twist to the series which i thought was a lot of fun and uh, this the actual true ending is one that i did get because a lot of these castlevania games i would go through just you know do it first time and and get the quote-unquote bad ending which is you don't really fight the real super final dracula boss you fight something else um and and you have to you know kind of go back and get a bunch of extra stuff in order to do it but this game i enjoyed it so much and there was actually quite a bit more to do after the false ending uh with like four more portraits basically so there were a lot of different areas to go through that i i went and i i got the actual ending and then fought the final boss and it was a good challenge as well but it wasn't overwhelming and it was one that i could overcome and uh and thought it was great i just i really have uh good things to say about it and i would say that 
I'd recommend this uh, over a lot of the the other ones, despite the fact that a lot of people say Aria of Sorrow is the best one. I would I'd probably put Aria of Sorrow third on my list, um, but this is this is right up there. It's a really great Castlevania experience. So I should really go. I should really get to one of these in 2019. I keep saying I will, yes. and it's just not happened yet. But I yeah. I I still say that man. I wish that the PlayStation Classic was better, and you could get one of those right. and like play. Symphony Night on that, but I the fact I that think... I can't play Symphony on that on my PS4 is weird. Like well, that. you can now actually can. because they do, they just released the um, the Castlevania collection thing, which has its um, what's the one that Richter's in? My name is blanking on me now, but it's that one and Symphony of the Night together. Uh, Rondo of Blood. Uh, it has I was Rondo just going to make up some Symphony. sort of dark veil of yes. sorrow. <laughs> it's usually um, it's usually musical term plus. Um, uh, sad thing like harmony of despair like there you go that's there a Castlevania go. name Did it. Um, that's an actual game uh, <laughs> oh, right. but, but, but yes uh, Rondo of Blood is uh, another really good game that's the game that Richter appears in Richter obviously now in Smash Brothers uh, but you can buy the collection uh, on PS4 which has those two games in it which I would say that's probably mm. the best way for you to play Symphony yeah, of the Night I'll, and I would recommend I'll doing that. that that's a good idea yes you should do that next year that'll be a good one Sweet, so that's my number six, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. What's your number five, Bally? It's the top five. So my number five is Owlboy. Ah. Um, so Owlboy feels like Zelda cross Metroidvania. It's, it's sort of, the, the, I guess, the structure of a Metroidvania is in, you know, Sidon, that kind of thing. But then the pacing and the emphasis on story and the setting feels like Zelda. It really feels like Wind Waker, actually. It feel, this feels so much like a 2D Wind Waker um i think it's a big reason i actually love this game and the emphasis on the main character and the story and the the character development and where this game goes i thought was so impressive and that's interesting because i haven't really heard people talk about the narrative of owlboy because that's that's not something that i expect to be quite high up so the presentation is better than the narrative i'll say that i think the charm of its the soundtrack is just ridiculous ridiculous like orchestrated and unbelievably like you kind of think they've really gone to town with the budget on this soundtrack when this is like a short i don't know seven eight hour fairly short experience you're like wow there's and and like this game took an incredibly long time to develop and it came out ages ago on steam and then it took ages to come to console so it kind of had a very staggered release that i think really affected uh the impact actually the, and, and the timing with which you know journalists were talking about this game because mm. i do think it really is up there and it seems to have been put to the side a bit by yeah I, I think like when it came out people liked it but it wasn't necessarily the super indie darling that a lot of those types of games yeah. have been thought of and there yeah. since it first came out there have been indie darlings that have surpassed it massively uh even ones that i've played so it has been forgotten about partially and that is a shame but it's just a really strong game like the idea that what makes it unique is this flying around ability where obviously most metroidvanias you're platforming around whereas flying around just completely changes kind of breaks it doesn't it, it like feels it makes strange it... yeah because there's yeah. The, the enemies fly around too and it's more a dual stick shooter where your right stick is controlling the direction with where you're shooting and you have huh. different you have different guns that you're shooting and the gun you don't hold the gun you hold a character who then shoots a gun and you've got like i think one's like a flamethrower one's a little pellet thing and one's like a big shotgun kind of thing and it's really impressive and 
that's what makes it so unique and the animation with which you like might blast through a door or something like it's all just the package all together just feels like the c word is used way too much but it just does, does feel way too charming like it is it's an incredible package and it is very very short it is only about you could probably blast through it in that six hours but i think it took me mm. about eight hours because i'm bally and uh-huh. <laughs> um time dilation i mean there are a couple of stealth areas that are not great but they really don't last long and otherwise it's just such a solid experience it's very very linear i would say and that's partly what makes it so quick is that there's not this extra time you'd spend in something like an axiom verge for example where you work out where to go next there's a lot of this is the path you're meant to go on go that way and yeah but it's metroidvania combined with like a level of pixel art and zelda like production that is pretty rare um and i just thought it was fantastic um and Great. yeah a game you definitely need to get to mbz yeah no I, I i do want to play it for sure i i keep trying to be like i want to figure out this thing where we share accounts so i'll just play it from your account right. on my switch and I, I i keep being scared about it about whether we're going to fuck something up doing that so it's a bit scary yeah yeah, i have to look up some guide how to do that but we'll we'll see or i'll just buy it on a sale which i'll probably end up doing um great so that's your number five old boy uh my number five is a game i've never talked about on this podcast um and i haven't even beaten um (laughs) but i've put 50 hours into it (laughs) it's skyrim it's fucking the elder scrolls Ah. 5 skyrim um so I got Skyrim earlier this year in a sale and I was like, I'm just going to play this and have it as one of those things that I keep going back to. And I don't really intend to finish it necessarily because it's Skyrim and no one finishes Skyrim. And I think one of the reasons why no one finishes Skyrim is because they don't really make it no one clear knows how what, to finish what the main quest is. Um, it, it is very, it, it really flattens the quest experience in the sense that everything is treated equally, right? So you get loads of different quests from so many different people and it all just goes into this one list and it doesn't delineate between what is major what is minor like what is a uh, quest that relates to a guild what is a quest that is just a random npc quest so everything has almost equal stature to some degree and that makes it so it feels like you're just wandering through this world and going from place to place and just doing things when you want to um and, and and going after things that you are interested in so I made a character who was a wood elf um, who is really good with bow and arrow because I'd heard that that was a good way to go. Um, and I, and then I started again. I was like, oh, actually, I really like magic. So I started using magic a bunch and, and trying to do that. And the thing with Skyrim is the more you do something, the better you get at it. So the more you uh, kill people with bow and arrow, the higher that skill will go. Your archery skill will go up. And, and this relates to literally everything. So like crafting materials and cooking and, um, you know, using your shield even, just like deflecting, even just being hit by enemies because your, your armor goes up. Um, so just taking hits just standing there healing yourself while you take hits is a legitimate way to level up in skyrim because literally everything you do uh is statized i guess i don't know everything is broken down and so you're never really feeling like you're wasting time because things are always happening um that are being beneficial to you but i think the thing about skyrim that strikes me the most is 
the sense of place um and and the wonder of the world and and it's not like breath of the wild where you know there's a lot of interesting things that you can do like physically or mechanically outside in the open world because it is kind of you know just going from place to place but there is something about the way the music swells and the distance and the fantasy like element to it that there were moments where i'm like i'm just living in lord of the rings right now like this Mm. is this is just so well done and one of my favorite things to do in that game is just to go into a tavern sit down find someone who's like playing a song and just like sit down and and listen to them play a song because there's some really good like classic like D and D style you know musical instrumentation and bards who go around like singing these songs about tales from things that have happened in the world. It's so dense with lore and information. Like every single goddamn book in that game has like pages. Like you could spend literally forty hours just reading in Skyrim because there are hundreds of books and each of them have maybe you know upwards of there's some with like 20 pages of text and everything is contextualized within the game it's not just like one of the things in the witcher 3 which meant i didn't read a lot of the stuff in that game was because it was just text on a screen whereas skyrim contextualizes it in the game by having a physical book that you look at and you turn the pages and it's written in a script not a font Um, so it looks like someone has written the book so it makes it feel far more like it's a part of the world and makes you want to dig into stuff like that and honestly it's it's very hard to get into because this is the fifth game in this series there is so much history to the world and there's so many things in terms of you know the thieves guild and you know the the dark brotherhood and all these different factions that have existed for so long and what the gods and all the different religions so it's intimidating for sure but it's one of those rabbit holes that i like going down uh, mm. and, and i think that it's it's been so good as a game that I just go back to and like, I don't know where I am. I don't know. I'm just going to go after this quest and see what happens. And so many weird, interesting things go on. There's some, some great characters and, and dialogue and um, and some just towns that are so well crafted. Like the main town of Whiterun that you go to, I know it so well. Um, and it has such a distinct design to it. Um, there's the quest that you go on with... Uh, the traveling companions and and one of the things this game does really well is it it creates situations that feel natural but that i know are actually scripted so like when i'm walking towards this town for the first time this group of traveling companions are fighting off some raiders and they're like dealing with these dudes and it feels so natural that i just come across them as they're doing this task but clearly like this is intended for everyone to come across so that when they're near this town they know that these guys exist within it and then you can go and talk to them and start their quest line and keep going down it but it's just so well done because it feels like what would happen in a fantasy world um and and there's a naturalness to it which is really really cool um yeah i i'm i'm still really enjoying it it's one of those games that i heard people describe as an ocean with the depth of a paddling pool because uh, a lot of the time you're just going into dungeons and fighting things but it's the it's the stuff around the edges the the music and the world and the lore and the character building that is the strength of these games because honestly the combat kind of sucks and like you're just like mashing buttons to like hit people and using magic and it can be fun and, and using the bow and arrow is definitely a good way to go but it it's about the world um and i think they create a really enticing world that 
speaks to me personally as someone who who loves fantasy uh, and, and epics in that way so i'm gonna keep playing it i haven't finished it yet i played yeah. 50 hours Ca- caroline so. is still trucking on she's yeah. 150 she's like a, hours into yeah, this she's game. played 100 more hours yeah. than me and she'll have to and finish she, so. i'm like you're gonna finish that game anytime soon she's like i don't know and she doesn't really know like where because like you said the quests no. aren't all they're not separated between and i could look it up obviously sure. i could go and see but but like you know why do that when i've really just enjoyed you know just bumming around in, in skyrim it's been yeah when been when caroline's done with it I'll, i will give this game a go and i need to need to give it give it the the light of day because i've just been yeah. so busy with other things um but yeah wow yeah 150 hours can't believe she's and she wants to play <laughs> stardew valley next and it's like oh jesus wow just uh, so hardcore right? yeah crazy that's your number right. five. That's my number five. So what's your number four, Bally? My number four is Hollow Knight. Ah, um, yes. So I've played quite a few Metroidvanias now, and there's quite a few on this list. Uh, but this might be one of the best, if not the best. Uh, it's brutally difficult in parts. Um, and it's brutal in terms of bo- both the boss fights themselves are very brutal but also the game gives you hardly any hand holding when it comes to um finding new areas and i think that provo- gives it this elevated feeling of freedom and exploration that i think a lot of modern metroidvanias kind of get away from like Owlboy, for example like it it does it kind of completely ignores the idea of freedom and exploration in favor of right this is the narrative we want to set out and as good as that is it's it's not as good as when a game like hollow knight goes for the the more hands-free approach and gets it right yeah. in my view and just lets you go and, and yeah you, and other yeah, great metroidvanias like guacamelee again they're, they're fairly linear in part right and my personal preference is definitely the more Axiom Verge, Hollow Knight, I guess, Super Metroid style that is far more, far less handholdy and more just tougher because it makes you feel more free. And the, when you discover something, it's 10 times more satisfying than because some NPC told you you need to go to point X marked on your map. Sure. And yeah. I, I love that. I think that, that there are key story moments that, that, are really interesting in the way that you can get to those moments through multiple ways. Like the world isn't designed in a way where you have to go. You can you can visit different story moments in the in the wrong order essentially. And right. It's yeah, not yeah. it's not just set out in stone. Um, I'm not like, and I know Castlevania does this, and I've like I said not played the Castlevania, but I, I'm not a huge fan of like the the multiple endings. You need to fulfill X to con- right. to get the true true ending, and uh-huh. I would I do prefer games to just say right that's the ending, this is how you get there, and that's how we do it. And Hollow Knight definitely feels like it's so open ended that even at the end of the game, you're like, well, shall I wrap up this game now or shall I do more and then wrap it up? And I, I would have liked it to have maybe closed things up slightly neater. Uh, but my God, in terms of the presentation and the feeling of like slashing with your nail and the upgrade system. Yeah. It's just the tiny little elements, little polish elements, like really good. bushes when you slide, when you're just running through and you're just like, I'm just going to hit the environment. It's one of those things that I think a lot of video game players do is when they're going from one place to another, they want to be doing something. They just want to be walking. So like, that's why people roll in Ocarina of Time. It's like, I'm going across Hyrule Field. I'm not just going to push the analog stick. I want to have something 
something else I can do while I go. Yeah. So I'm going to roll. And in Hollow Knight, you're just like, I don't know, I'm going to slash my nails as I go past. And it's so satisfying. The little bushes and, and leaves will fall and you'll crack little um, like stone things along your way. It's that type of touch that elevates it above other games in terms of a polish level yeah and it feels like a triple a game but it's not it's a indie developer and that's awesome and that's the direction i feel like a lot of games are going and that's really really cool to see because you know triple a developers don't really work too often on metroidvania style games so no you know when a really great one like this comes along it's important that you know we appreciate like what this game is doing and we've just had the game awards and there's as much as there's been a, a nice light shown on indie games there was still an awful lot of triple a behind the back third person games that yeah, yeah. hog a lot of limelight and it's it's those other games that i think that really shine um and when they're done and they're well. able to take risks and do things like yeah. i did like it's it's it is derivative in a lot of ways but also it is very bold like you you don't usually find a game like this that is 30 hours long yeah because the pacing is all about usually you know speed and, and being able to speed run and obviously people speed run this game but but it is a much more contemplative um one of those and i think it really nails that cold darkness but also is is such a good um you know riff on other styles of games yeah as well, so yeah it's it's a fantastic game um it, i'm so glad it came to switch and it's still really cheap on switch like not even on sale it's like 11 yeah, quid it's, it's crazy um in a in a, at a time when so many of these games that come to switch get an extra you know five dollar tax put on them it's mm-hmm. great to see a game that's as big and great as hollow knight uh come to come to switch for such a cheap price i remember joseph anderson he was talking about he was obsessed with the value of this game like the price versus the time that you're putting into it is is insane um similar to levels of like stardew valley which is another cheap game on switch you know both these games just have so much time and they're so cheap i can't recommend them enough so yeah that's my number four hollow knight great uh my number four is a game you have already talked about but one that I thought was just so much fun, and it is Contra 3, uh, which obviously we've talked a little bit about, but I loved playing through that game with you. It was so much fun, Um, and I think it was really cemented in that second level where it's top-down, and you have to go to those five different points, and that was when we were like, okay, we need to have an order. We need to go this one, then this one, then this one. there isn't an invisible bit of string between the two of you as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you have to really work together. And I liked that it had variety like that in it. So you had the run and gun side-scrolling levels. You had the top-down ones. You also had, like, when we were just on a bike in one of those levels and you're, like, rolling around. Um, and then there's one where you're, like, climbing up the wall and there's that's really... Remember that stupid fucking annoying boss who keeps, like, um, pushing itself into the wall yeah. as you're trying to climb up oh, God, uh, and, like, yeah. bombs are falling? And I remember, like, having to try to grab one of the spread guns, like, while the bombs were falling. Um so many parts of that game are like just burned into my mind because the number of times we had to do them again and again yeah but it was so much fun like i just really loved the idea that we we started off being like okay let's see if we can do this without save states let's see if we can just do this from the start and that meant that we 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 got really without save states we got to like level three i guess it was um and and we were like okay we we can do this and so that meant we played through those first few levels 
quite a few times uh and so we had to really develop for that second one in particular and by the end we we're just like breezing through it we're like yeah mm. you do this do this i know we're gonna get these weapons this is gonna be our strategy nail it just bomb on through um and and then we had like the boss rush at the end where it's like okay right we need to pause here get the save state you're gonna do this i'm gonna do that let's <laughs> nail this dude yeah. uh and and yeah and it was just tremendous fun i think that i really want to play another contra game together i think it's just such a great experience and and yes these games are fun to play on their own but it was it, the reason i wanted to do this is because i had watched Vinny and dan from giant bomb play through mm. contra games together and it was so much fun just watching those guys come up with their strategies and then try to do it they were actually going for it way more hardcore uh, because they wanted to do it without like basically doing it without dying without game overing um in one shot uh which i feel like we could eventually do it would take probably 20 yeah, hours yeah but it would be possible um you just have to get so so good at it and i think you know games like that back in the old maybe days we should do that on one that day idea. maybe yeah uh, maybe just choose another contra game and go for it but contra 3 actually a lot of fun um and i think has great variety to it like comparing it to some of the other ones it, it definitely it's up there for me um and i think that you know i want to play some more of it um and they should bring it back man do a new contra on switch how awesome would that be give it some online multiplayer like man i am down for that shit i want to play some of that so so please somebody somebody make that game that'd be nice um that's my number four contra three fucking loved it right into the top three then yes Um, my number three is uncharted 2 um yes so I also played the first game. Spoilers, I, the first game isn't on this list. No. Um, and this the game, first game shouldn't be on a top 10 list, no. if I'm honest. <laughs> no, this this game is zombie-free. And it also is... Um, there's some points in the first game that there's just too many waves that are too difficult. And yes. it's like, come on, I, need, I want to progress. And that's what this game improves on so well. Whereas there's less emphasis on the number of waves of enemies and more... I guess they throw... A fewer tougher enemies at you and i kind of yeah. prefer that because you kind of strategize around them a bit more and there's a bit of, they kind of hint at a little bit of stealth in this game even though mm. it's not really you don't have to yeah stealth that at opening all. stealth section is not great that's um, the only they definitely improve part. on it as, as it goes through the series yeah, yeah yeah that the start it takes a while before you're getting your guns and you're shooting away at bad guys basically and the, the stealthy bit at the start of this game isn't great but after that the pacing the cutscenes the the character development the story it, it's the characters are so strong and all the the balance between running and gunning puzzles and cutscenes feels absolutely spot on for like yes. two-thirds of this game at least it's so and perfectly paced you're it's just so well done you're in new environments you're in new moving environments you know that train sequence is fantastic and having played the train sequence <laughs> In, near the start of red dead redemption 2 i'm like this controls like absolute <laughs> this is horrible like i can't believe yeah. and like the the duck and cover nature of the third person shooting in uncharted 2 feels so silky smooth and when you compare it with a game like red dead you just like imagining red dead with the silky smooth shooting of a game like uncharted and you're into a whole new era of like what open world shooters can be i think arguably like i think there's there's anyway that's a different conversation but this game does what it's aiming to do so so well it's 
it feels tighter yeah. in terms of and it is the variety right of not just things you're doing but locales just going to different yeah. places and constantly being surprised by new environments um is it feels like a globe trotting adventure mm. uh, and and that's what stands it apart from the first game for me because the first game is you're in a jungle and you're pretty much in a jungle the whole game yeah and there's some underground areas and there's some stuff like that but it is really restricted in terms of its aesthetic whereas uncharted 2 just goes for yeah. it and you are just all and over you, the place you even get a bit of jungle in this game that almost feels like it's just representing a chunk of from the first game as in like for people who want to throw back like a throwback just for people who might want to skip the first game or even for those who have played to be like oh yeah this is what borneo was like with the jungle great yeah and then it moves on very quickly and then there's this there's like magical stuff near the end that i won't get into but it's it's cool and it's like wow guess what uncharted always ends with stupid Stupid supernatural nonsense just like indiana jones right right and that's cool and i like it and i still need to play through you've lent me four i'd love to yes. try lost legacy as well probably but yeah just i had absolute blast with this game it's a really really strong third person shooter that i want more of and you yeah. know it's, it's, an, it's a high point in a series that really defined the last generation right um, right so and and having yeah. only bought a ps4 this year it was like i gotta play uncharted come on you, you can't buy a yeah. ps4 that's, that's top uncharted. of the list yeah yeah so really glad i played it that's my number three is uncharted 2 great my number three is a game that i sat down and played in two hours and was blown the fuck away by and it is super hot super hot which i know you've bought the vr version for which is a completely <laughs> oh, yeah. different game actually it's not the same game right. it's just a different thing but in vr i'm gonna try that start next year but super hot is such a tremendous and fun game it obviously is all about the idea that you when you move time moves uh and so it's a first person shooter where you are in this very white aesthetic um and uh enemies are represented by like this they're, they're basically like you know the um the wireframe guys from smash brothers but they're but they're just like red uh kind of shard guys and when you shoot them they like smash like glass uh and every level is a puzzle it's kind of like punch out in that way where each level is obviously determined by how good you are and how dexterous at dodging and moving but it's all about thinking what the strategy will be who you're going to take down first and giving you that time to think because time only moves when you move so you can be standing still making your strategy and then afterwards after you've finished the level it does like a full sped up version of everything you did and it, it does kind of look awkward because uh, there are some moments where it's like ah, that's not how uh, fluidly it would flow but it is really cool to see everything working together and i think it's just the interplay of systems where you can shoot a gun at someone throw that gun at another person grab their weapon out of midair use it to slice down another guy then like throw it across the room to a different dude pick up another like machine gun which has bullets that will go at a different rate um dodge out the way of something else and throw that to someone else there were moments where i was grabbing a gun throwing at the dude grabbing the next one throwing at the dude grabbing that and i was just like throwing guns at people as opposed to like shooting them and it was so much fun as everything smashes to pieces uh and and as you run through these environments it's it's so small and contained and it also has a very unique fourth wall breaking story uh that 
is all about like kind of hacking and one of those things i really like is when it when a game uh forces you to like type on the keyboard and it will just type actual words but you just feel like a hacker just typing a bunch of bullshit so you're just like tapping away on the keyboard and it's writing out sentences for you that you're sending like messages to these different people um and it's it's all built in as if you're on a uh, old computer with like an os and everything and you're like booting into different systems and there's weird like mini games and everything it has such a great aesthetic to it and it it has twists and surprises and does so many unique things which i don't want to spoil because it's so much of the enjoyment of that game but wow i was blown away and i think that it's such a it's one of those ideas that when you look at it you're like this is innovation this is innovation in the game space that i want to see more of uh and it's just incredibly satisfying it just feels so good when you nail a sequence of taking down so many dudes at once um and yeah it's 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 a great game you should play super hot it's very very good and i'm um, gonna play it in vr what's that gonna be like yeah i know you'll actually feel like th- the person like that's oh, crazy I, feel like I, I really want to do that that's oh like you're actually gonna throw the gun and then grab it you like come around and try will it. do that yes i want to oh my god wow and then have a lie that's down amazing. yes from exactly. playing vr for yes, 10 minutes yeah. Yeah. so that's your number three super hot yes very yes good. right top two mm-hmm. my number two is night in the woods mm. um so those who listen to the show know that probably know that i i love my politics i love you know i i always as cheesy cheesy as it sounds i want to make the world a better place i sure. always, i like i work in politics i won't be specific about that but i work in politics um uh-huh. i've got a set of views i've got beliefs i've got like ideas that i share that i i always want to tell more people about like you know to make things better to 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 tell a story in different ways and night in the woods conveys a message and a take on society in the most perfect way possible through the game's medium so obviously like music films there's lots of i'm always interested in how does how is politics conveyed that isn't just coming out of a politician or a journalist's mouth. How is it right. conveyed by music, films, mm-hmm. art? And Night in the Woods, I think, just does it in such a great way in terms of video games because it's just, it's de- describing how society is. Like, society is breaking down. People are feeling poorer and more disconnected from those in power than they have ever before. And different groups on the right and the left have different attitudes as to how we get out of this position we're in. And it's unbelievable that a game like night in the woods that's based around horses and cats and dogs and right strange creatures can actually articulate a take on some of those issues and how we get out of those issues and it gets incredibly dark at points but it only gets dark at points because it's just conveying that society gets really dark at points and that there are real big issues that people are facing and i just i was just absolutely blown away by how well this game depicted not only this the the issues we have with society but how we get out of those like you know the breakdown of communities and towns and Hmm. traditional industrial areas both in across europe and north america especially but around the world and and how we move on from that and it's 
you really feel like it's not doing it in a ham-fisted way that is always so easy to do when anything does a take on something political or here's a hot take on this and you think right well that was a really obvious political message that feels less connecting because it's so obvious and boring and done before this game feels like it's just it's just saying it how it is in a really subtle and plain way that is really easy to it's really easy to resonate with and it's it's not it's not pushing it too hard but at the same time it's not pulling its punches it's making sure that it's getting its message across to you without you know throwing it in your face too much and playing a really great story through and following the character i forgot the lead character's name actually may, may I think. I believe, yeah. Yeah. yeah the main the main cat may she's just like her story and everything that happens to her is a story that lots of people will share and it's really 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 well portrayed what happens to her and her friends and and what they do about the issues that they're facing and where they are and i Maybe I'm overdoing overdoing this because I am into politics, but yeah, honestly, this. No, but I think everyone has has spoken to that when it comes to this and and the way that it's, and the way that it's written as well. Just generally, yeah. I know you you were going on about that when the right, you yeah, it, about how how sharp it is in terms of its its narrative. The the writing is incredibly incredibly sharp. It, it feels so natural and not forced. I think that's that's what I always feel with this game is that nothing in it feels forced. It's just so natural i keep repeating the same things again and yeah. again but yeah that's yeah. just how it is like and i would highly recommend playing this game it's i think it's about 16 quid on the switch eShop, and it's obviously cross-platform came to another game that came to switch this year that came out last year yeah all the years before and yeah number two night in the woods uh definitely need to give it a go mbz yes no i will i i definitely want to play it um it's, it's on the list things like owl boy as well it'll, it'll happen uh but but yeah great so that's your number two my My number two two is obviously we've talked about it already it was our other backlog club game it is final fantasy 6 uh which i i loved i thought was it's it's not quite the heights of earthbound or chrono trigger for me but it is such a tremendous game that does different things well and i think you nailed it when you're talking about the strength of the characters and the cast and uh the narrative and, and the bonds between them And i think it's just the variety of it and the way that that first act has so many different unique flavors where you split up the characters and you're going with Terra and then you're off with um sabin and, and you're going all these different places um it has different twists on the gameplay when you're splitting up your characters to uh, take on this these waves of bad guys um the environment and places you go while i think a lot of the towns can get quite generic i think the overworld and and just the way the world has been created is is this great mix of this magic and technology and and the fusion between them and and how ideas of you know you know people like celeste has been like genetically engineered and and all of that like law building um is is so engaging uh, and it has an amazing twist and it really has this sense of a a, a big ensemble cast uh that comes together for a joint purpose um i i think the thing that elevates final fantasy 6 actually for me overall is the soundtrack i think the music is just tremendous um and whether that's portrayed in the famous opera scene that is so classic and and revered or whether it's just the overworld theme that is one of my favorite pieces of music that i've heard generally across mediums uh, ever it's 
It is, and I watched this video recently that I shared with you um, uh, on the music of Final Fantasy VI and how it's crafted and the simpleness of it and yet how all those themes are so interlinked and woven together. Um, it's just a tremendous soundtrack that that gives that sense of place and urgency and, and like sadness. Like So much of Terra's character is represented in that core theme that, that is hers. Um, and, uh, and overall, it... There's, it feels weird because there's almost no main character and yet all the characters have their parts to play um, and going around and finding the secret ones as well and, and the way that your choices can mean that some will get left behind. Um, obviously, the back half of the game, I think, has some pacing problems in terms of the grinding needed to do for the end game, for the last kind of stuff you have to do. But I enjoyed the battle system so much, the fact that you have the unique um, elements like obviously Saban with his fighting moves is my favorite thing I think that idea so is cool. so yeah. different and distinct um and and I liked using a lot of the other characters as well I uh, used Celeste a lot and her magic abilities um just every character stands out on their own and it doesn't feel like anyone is necessarily dead weight from a story or gameplay perspective obviously there were characters that I didn't use as much but everyone gets their moment like Setzer's moment when he's going down and you know getting the airship and that amazing part where you see the past of his life kind of in a background as you're walking down the staircase yeah. like some real great visual imagery that they they really make this game feel very very different um for like a sprite based rpg with... it's awesome like yes. that's so unique Right, and we talked about it a lot, but just the way they portray character through animation, through that finger wag, the thing that is so subtle and, and, mm. and just makes, like, like Edgar's character is so defined by a lot of those little things. Um, yeah, it's great. I love that there's flashbacks and, and the story is just... it. The thing that also makes it so interesting is that fusion between gameplay and narrative where you come to some battle screens and, you know, when Terra uses magic for the first time and Edgar is just, like, jumping around, like, what the fuck? You could use magic? This is really weird. And you're still on the battle screen as it's yeah. happening. I think that stuff is so incredibly smart and forward-thinking. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's such a well-made, um, incredible experience that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I think Final Fantasy VI is, indeed, one of the greats. So it's number two on my list. Guess we're on to the big, the big number ones. Yes, the number one. Right. My number one game that I played this year that didn't come out this year is Okami HD. Ah. Um, so Kevin Charmer, friend of the show, he gifted us this game, MBZ, yep. and I was like, right, well, I'm between jobs right now. Let's play this game. And I, I beat the whole thing in like, I don't know, five days to a week or something yeah, like 30 was, hours binged it it was really quick about 30 hours so it's it's a zelda take but there's a way 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 bigger emphasis on japanese history and mythology than i had realized before playing the game and maybe by the fact that i went to japan in 2017 is why i'm so into this to some degree arguably so the the story is mad in terms of like it's 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 a zelda like story but for a zelda story i think it's incredibly strong like each environment is represents different parts of japan and there's all these characters of, of in, from mythology like i was saying that that link together and just some really interesting 
places that that Amaterasu will visit and characters that you interact with from cities to mountains and rivers and under sea and it's just really really well put together and that art style first hour or so I actually really didn't like the art style but it really grew on me because I appreciated more what they were trying to do with this game and even to the point now where I think this other than Breath of the Wild and Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda-like experience and mm. it, it, I think it easily comes in that third slot because it is taking ideas from Zelda and developing them like it's got sort of f- little fight rooms that actually make combat more fun and succinct I think actually because you can avoid those fight rooms when you're in the open world but then when you want to get into them and there's, there's like a sort of level up not a level up structure but there's benefits to fighting that are different to zelda that will give you invincibility the more enemies you defeat in a row sort of thing and i forgot what it's called now but i need to go back and maybe listen to, to mm-hmm. my thoughts on this game from before but it's it really combines loads of elements from zelda and the ability with the paintbrush the inkbrush to create real life bombs and strokes and affect the real world around you in so many ways it's almost infinitely better than a series of weapons you might get in zelda because it feels like your one your one weapon can do everything and that feels nicer in some ways than having to worry about what you're equipping and thinking about what to bring where for Mm. this dungeon or that dungeon uh there's some really epic boss fights again in this game Uh, there's one in particular that I struggled a bit with some of the the controls in terms of the ink brush, but otherwise everything was very very smooth and it worked really well. And I I just kind of I wasn't expecting Okami to be as good as this. I thought it would be a, a not a bog standard Zelda sounds like a, an oxymoron almost, but it's kind of I thought it would be an okay Zelda, like it'd be a a good Zelda, but it's. A fantastic Zelda experience and and more and it's very long I, th- I kind of mainlined it a bit there's definitely some side stuff I missed out on but it's a very long long game it's about 35 hours even mainlining so I, I can't recommend this game highly enough and again I think it's actually a, a, a pretty cheap price on Switch it is, it's like 20 quid yeah, on the eShop which it's, for, it's like 15.99 or something and, and it looks beautiful in HD like it, they've really done a great job remastering it and I would highly recommend checking out this game because it is it's great. it's not only a great Zelda game it feels like a great tribute to Japan and its history and I love that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I will play it. I have it thanks to Kevin for the show. Um and yeah, we'll we'll get to that probably at some point when I feel like there's a bit of a breath in between some new releases and we'll be like, yes, I'm going to commit this this time. Um, and, and hopefully it works out. And we know, obviously, we should eventually do a big podcast with, once I've beaten it with myself, yourself, and our friend Ali T. Because yes. th- this game, out of all video games, is the one game that he has told us to play the most over the years and we just ignore him. <laughs> We're like, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll have Ali T. We'll you do Ali T, don't worry. Yeah, um, but he's played it like four or five times. It's like one of wow. his favorite games ever. Um, I think he probably likes it more than most Zelda games. So, so yeah. Uh, okay, my number one is a game that 
people have told me to play forever ever since i played codename steam and was like hey codename seems really good and people are like well there's this other game that's better than codename steam actually um and i bought it in a steam sale like maybe two years ago for like three pound fifty and i just kept putting it off i'm like yeah i'll get to it one day i'll get to it one day I should have gotten to it way fucking sooner because Valkyria Chronicles is easily one of the best strategy games ever made and one of my favorite games I've ever played. Uh, It is tremendous. Uh, And I think the thing that makes it so unique and interesting is that blend of real-time with turn-based. So the idea that as your units are running through the place that they are getting to they can be hit by interception fire from enemies Um, and so you're able to make it behind cover so that you take less damage from them Um, and then you're able to if you get shot at like reply to them within the same turn and shoot them back Um, but it is that element of strategizing around those parts that make it so unique so one of my favorite things that i talked about when i talked about it on the show was there's a map where there's this giant tank coming through there's no easy way to get around to its back to its weak point and you need to capture an enemy base that is nearby it and so the way that i strategized around that was i took my own big ass tank put it in front of the enemy's tank so that when i got my scout to run through that area which otherwise they would have just been mowed down by the tank fire my tank blocked the enemy tank's fire so i could just run around the corner kill the other enemies in the base with a grenade and capture the flag and finish the map and that epitomizes the creativity in valkyria chronicles the fact that you have so many different options with different characters um the scout who can move really great distances but is quite um easy to pick off and can can die in quite a few hits uh but they are the most crucial character because they're the ones that will be able to make it to the flag which is usually a lot of the maps in the original game is about making it to this one point to capture but there's a lot of different um you know scenarios and a lot of different objectives it isn't just that there's a map early on with a giant ass tank that is so so much of a difficulty spike but it is incredibly satisfying to figure out a strategy around it like using the units like lancers which are ones that can destroy tanks uh, in combination with snipers to pick people off from far away having your shock troopers pairing people together so that when they're next to each other they do even more damage um it's just this incredible blend of those elements of a a shooter and a strategy game but it's it is far more of a strategy game um and the idea that you have these kind of action points that there's a huge amount of variety that you can decide on like am i going to just focus on this one unit who the amount of movement they can do in a single turn will be reduced if i keep doing it but i really need to take out these three guys with a sniper so i'm gonna put three of my turns into using that sniper versus moving three other enemies and it it ended up that on a lot of maps i was doing a lot of the work with far fewer of my units and leaving a lot of people on the sidelines um which is a valid way to play that game um and it's not just about having everyone whereas in fire emblem i tend to use my entire party and make sure that everyone kind of gets an equal go of it the brilliant thing about valkyria chronicles is experience is shared between the types of units so scouts are just counted as one group so that when you level up your scouts every single one of your scouts levels at the same time and they get access to new potentials and they get access to new orders and things like that so it streamlines so much of that process which means that you can swap units in and out um and 
I did all the side stuff as well. Like, there are side stories that you can do to find out more about your characters. The cast is a really lovable cast with some exceptions, um, but I think it's just well-written. It takes place in an anime version of World War One, but it, it strikes a great balance between anime weirdness and seriousness. It has a great tone. I think... The, the new game that I'm playing right now, Valkyria Chronicles 4, is not as good with that stuff. It's, it leans far more into the, ugh, like, really bad anime stuff, whereas the first game was far more grounded, I felt, and I really like the relationship between characters like Welkin and Largo and Alicia, um, and and it's, it's just so tremendously fun to play. It Figuring out strategy games, and, and I've found over the years that I like difficult strategy games. That's where I really derive enjoyment in them. Uh, and it's not often that I go for the challenge, but hard platformers, hard strategy games, that's where I want the difficulty to be high. And Valkyria Chronicles provides that in spades, whilst also making you feel like you're cheating it. Like there are moments with the scouts where you can just capture an enemy base and you feel tremendous because you've just done it in such a short number of turns and that's how the game rewards you in terms of ranking systems how fast you're able to do something um and yeah it's it's just so good and it's available now on switch and the switch port of valkyria chronicles 4 is really good so i imagine the switch port of the first game is going to be really good as well so it's only like 15 quid play that game it is one of the best games i've ever played it is tremendous and amazing and i cannot say enough good things about it um, so yeah, that is my number one, Valkyria yeah, I was, Chronicles. I was going to say, we've been railing against some of the Switch prices, but there's a handful of games we've talked about that are actually really yeah. good value, just for strange reasons that I guess we don't know, but yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's because these two games that are both our number ones are older games that are being ported to the Switch right. and have been out for long <laughs> enough to where their value is kind of dropped to that point. Um, and it's good because it means you can get some amazing games for ridiculous prices um so so yeah there we go that is our list our personal top 10 lists um what what should we go from here should we go back down through them or do you have any other uh ones that didn't quite so make just it list off to... a few that didn't make it and then we'll yeah, do a quick sure. run through um yeah. there's some really good games in here that you're going to be going over with me like yes i know oxen free punch out we didn't make it uh, uh yes, lovers right. in the dangerous space time the first mm. uncharted i mentioned uh vvv vvv yeah oh man that game was so good severed didn't quite make it Severed didn't make it (laughs) fuck bali what's wrong with you the one you're gonna be was like my number three game last year fuck that game is so good the the one you're gonna be the most annoyed about is inside oh you son of a bitch (laughs) you suck god damn it bali it just yeah this year it just didn't resonate with you as much did it inside no i mean not compared to the games in my top 10 but um There's a lot of strong number 11s. That's my strongest number 11 list by a mile. Yeah, though. that is crazy. Um, so yeah, were there any that kind of didn't yeah. quite make yours? There are a few for me. Um, Oli Oli 2. I love Oli Oli. I think Oli Oli 2 is, is still really, really good. It's more of the same, which is why I didn't put it on the list because I think I tend to favor more new experiences sure, generally. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's really amazing. And Oli Oli is just one of those series that... I find such satisfaction in it's it's it feels so good it's one of those complicated systems to get your head around control wise but once you do there's such a flow flow and fluidity to it um rive which is a game that i played the end of last year in december which wasn't you know eligible for my top 10 last year uh 
I really wanted to put it. I was so close to being on the end of this list, but I I just edged it out with Dragon Quest um, 1, which, um, I don't know. I think Rive is one of those games that I don't think I would naturally gravitate towards, but is such a fun experience. It's so weird. Like, you're, it's, you're like this drone, and it's like a shmup, and, like, there are elements of, like metroid to it and platforming but it's so much fun and i have great memories of listening to giant bomb game of the year last year while playing rive um and it, yeah it's you should check that game out because it really got underlooked and is probably quite a good price on the eShop as well it's it's so much fun great shooter um and then i don't like devil may cry the original devil may cry which i played for the first time which i thought was really neat um is not a game that i think is great and hasn't aged amazingly but i really like going back and playing some of those classic games like i did with the original prince of persia on gamecube just to get a sense for everyone revered this game back in the day what is it like now how's it hold up um it was just really interesting to play that game that i thought was a very good historic uh, experience for me which i like to do from time to time it's like let's be a video game historian and go back and see how this game holds up and and what it was doing for its time and and you can see so many elements of like resident evil in it and, and and the way that capcom was trying to make it this level-based game and it, it's actually kind of a more open structure to the castle it, it doesn't really quite fit uh into it it's kind of like they've jammed a you know a square peg into a round hole almost with devil may cry but i think it's a very interesting experience um and yeah uh, i think that's pretty much it for the the ones that didn't quite make it well shall we run through our top tens then yes right like to go first yeah sure so my number 10 was Axiom Verge, number 9, Super Meat Boy, number 8, Contra 3, The Alien Wars, number 7, Final Fantasy 6, number 6, Overcooked Special Edition, number 5, Owlboy, number 4, Hollow Knight, number 3, Uncharted 2, number 2, Night in the Woods, and number 1, Okami HD. Very good. Mine is at number 10, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 1, and number 9, Shantae Half Genie Hero, number 8, Punch Out Wii. Uh, number seven, Super Mario World. Number six, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin. Number five, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Uh, number four, Contra 3. Number three is Super Hot. Number two, Final Fantasy VI. And number one, Valkyria Chronicles. So yeah, I, I would say like the top of my list is pretty damn strong overall. Uh, I think your list is just overall very damn strong. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it was, it's it's been a really good year overall for for some old games, and yeah, I've enjoyed going back and getting to some of those classics. Finally, I've been waiting to play Final Fantasy VI for fucking ever. Yeah, it the SNES so Classic was a real nice um, way of playing those games. That I guess we've been meaning to play for a while. Absolutely, uh, and it worked really well. So there you go. That is going to close us out for the show today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, and, uh, and yeah, obviously, next time we're going to be doing a much uh, more heated debate of what are the top games on Nintendo platforms for our joint top five. Um, and obviously, you can send in some emails as well. Where can they send those emails to, Bally? Please send your suggestions to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. As MZ said, yes, next time is games of the year that came out this year on Nintendo platforms absolutely um and we're also going to be doing some stuff on our patreon uh with our next patreon exclusive episode for december which is going to be games that didn't come out on nintendo platforms but that did come out this year because now Val has a ps4 so that we can chat about yeah. some of those experiences so if you want to go over to our patreon it's patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh, we would like to thank some of our patrons as well 
Yes, thank you to our uh, sponsorship level supporter uh, patron, I should say. That is Daniel V. Thank you so much for your support. Um, and our two $10 tier patrons, they are, of course, Atari, Alex, and my girlfriend, Caroline. Thank you for your support as well. And yeah, as MZ mentioned, next week on TNL Ranks, it's going to be a joint combined five of top games top five games of the year that didn't come out on nintendo platforms uh so yeah that's the, that'll be i guess the second pillar and we've, we've tackled the first pillar second yes. next week's second pillar and then in two weeks time uh the regular show top five games of the year that came out on nintendo platforms um and yeah i should mention Absolutely. that episode next week tnl ranks uh, you can get all episodes of tnl ranks for two two dollars including the episode coming out next week so you won't yes. want to miss that Absolutely. Uh, you can find us in so many places over the internet. Uh, you can find our Twitter account, which is at TNL Podcast, which has links to our Discord and our YouTube channel. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lord NBZ. Where can they find you, Bally? I'm at Ballyman91. That's B A L Y M A N 91. Um, I tweeted a nice picture of an early Christmas present from Caroline. Yeah. My, Fantastic a, Star Wars a, jumper. A Hoth Christmas jumper. Um, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's very, very Go cool. Go check that out yeah um all right and you can find the show in various places we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on any podcatcher that you have you just download us subscribe to us give us some review that'd be a nice christmas present that we kind of mentioned last time we'd love to get some more reviews uh, and, and written up so if you have the time and you like the show and enjoy it and want to hear some more uh, please do that that really really helps us out uh, makes things things great um yeah I, I think that's pretty much it anything that i've missed Bally, that we need to close out with um just here's to next year when we'll hopefully create another 10 incredible games that came out that year that didn't come out that year that's not that year Absolutely. that's not even happened yet that's what yeah that's the... and i feel like i need to do a bit more classic digging i didn't do as much of it this year i want to go back and play yeah, some there's more, been a lot, more old games. a lot of new games this year um, maybe let fewer yeah. new games next year we'll see but they always they just come out of nowhere there's a lot of games we played this year video that we weren't games are cool man video games are cool oh, there's a lot of amazing things happening so so yeah that is that is pretty much that uh, and we will see you in a couple of weeks time for final episode of the year uh, so thanks everyone for listening continue to listen uh, and we will see you then bye bye interlude used on today's show was lifelight from super smash brothers ultimate copyright nintendo 2018